0: For all your posturing, all your little speeches,
1: you're nothing but a common theme.
0: I am an exceptional thief, Mrs. McGregor.
1: The weather outside is frightful.
2: (laughs) The weather outside is is weather. weather. A much better version
1: of (laughs) delightful. How do you want to start this? Let's start by talking about what we know best, which is us. Okay. What would you like to talk about in terms of us? 50 episodes. Dude. Got nothing to say about that?
2: I mean... We haven't done this in any way, shape, or form where it feels consistent. So, like, the reaching of 50 episodes isn't really an achievement because it's just taken us three years to do that. Yeah. <laughs> when you
1: arrive at something in a completely disorganized fashion. Yeah, like, if we'd done this every to... two
2: weeks for, f- like, 50 yeah. episodes, that would make sense. Or if we'd done this every week yeah. for 50 episodes.
1: This feels more like like if you lost weight, but it was due to an illness. <laughs> You don't feel like you've really achieved that much. I feel as
2: though we've—it's a massive coincidence right now. (laughs) Yeah. That oh, guess it's fifty episodes. We're gonna do something
1: special because it's been arrived at with until the start of this stupid thing, complete absence of planning. (laughs) Yeah. Just because everything we did up until
2: the start of. This stupid thing yeah,
1: was yeah, ra- like,
2: hey, you want to go see a movie? Yeah, sure. Just random
1: <laughs> impulses being released onto the internet, which is what a lot of it is, I suppose.
2: Which I think is what a lot of the internet is.
1: Yeah. 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 But that's the thing. Some people get really rich from that. You've just got to have the right impulses.
2: I think you have to have. A group of people who are willing to watch your strange impulses.
1: Yeah, I know, but you don't know what strange impulse people are going to watch until you suddenly strike gold. And let's face it, Isaac, we haven't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we, I mean... I mean, we're, we're digging. Yeah. I mean, I the line like we've dug is, we,
1: <laughs> is quite... <laughs> we've, I mean, and it's not for lack of trying. <laughs> I mean, we've struck bronze at best, we've, very generously. We've struck sort of... Boron. We
2: found a metal of some kind.
1: We found. We found. We've hit something hard, <laughs> and have been banging our heads against it for quite a while now. We're but not we sure get what a it torch is
2: down here in the mine, so we don't really know what it looks like. It,
1: but it, it, it could be gold. But it
2: feels cold to yeah. the touch. Yeah, it could be yeah. as though it doesn't want us to continue
1: touching it. It's a delayed act, delayed effect. <laughs> delayed effect. Gold. Um, but I mean, we've had fun. Well, I've had fun. Well, so have I.
2: Well, that means that we have had fun.
1: Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Okay, I take it back. This is I think it's been fun like 30% of the time, and the other 60% has been having circuitous conversations.
2: <laughs> I, th- I like to think that the people listening to us have had fun.
1: Yeah, some of them might have done.
2: I like to think that. Mm. I have no basis on which to judge that. Yeah. We've never done an audience poll because
1: Well, we have we've no never way had an audience. Getting in touch with them. <laughs> Yeah, in any kind of durable way. Yet. This is the
2: first live episode we've done. Hi, Hi, audience. Hello.
1: Hello. Yes, I know you're mostly ghosts, but don't (laughs) don't be afraid of interacting. You know, we should make this good because this is an episode people are very likely to listen to when they're new to the show. (laughs) The 50th ever episode. Because people are going to come across... Well, because this is is the top of the feed. And they're going to scroll through and they're going to see reviews of Sylvia, the mother... You know the enduring love, all these random Daniel Craig turn of the century movies, <laughs> lots of which we like, but aren't exactly gonna, you know, I mean, we knew we weren't striking gold when we struck it, but then they're gonna say, oh, die hard, I know that. Let's see what they have to say about that, which is putting an uncomfortable amount of pressure on this. What we've just said right now, what if that's the first thing they hear? And they're already going, no, my annoying, annoying voice talk over each other too much. Great microphone quality. I mean, that much is obvious. We do talk over each other a little bit, way but it's okay. Too much.
2: <laughs> I think also we do it on purpose sometimes, because comedy.
1: I think it's interesting. It's it, in a way, it's interesting how much we talk over each other. <laughs> the fact that we have persisted in being unable to tell from the way the other one's talking whether we're going to be able to get our point in, because sometimes we'll start talking, the other one interrupts, and then you, and then we'll stop. But sometimes the other one will interrupt and we will just keep going. The other one just <laughs> has to tail off mid-sentence. <clears throat> and I hear it in the editing. I can. It's happened with both of us where the other one has said something quite funny, but it is just completely lost because the other one has just, just continued plowing on with their <laughs> sentence. Good, good podcasting. Do you know what
2: defenestration means?
1: That's being thrown out of a window, isn't it? It is.
2: It's the act of throwing something through the window. What is it when you get thrown
1: in a window? Through a window. Mm. It's still through a window. Yeah, but you're you're going into the building. I think I think you're being fenestrated. <laughs> in that instance.
2: You reckon? That's it's how you weird fenestrate it, something?
1: It starts with it starts as defenestrating. Which means people must have been being thrown in windows all the time. All the time. And they came up with that word first. Maybe fenestrating is like how you break in at night.
2: Like when your parents are asleep and you've just come home from a party like three hours too late. And you have to artfully fenestrate the house. Yeah, silently. You turn mm. the car off ages away and just push it the last little while <laughs> so that no one hears you arrive.
1: Sound like you're talking from experience here.
2: Maybe a little bit. There's that one window. Every house has that one window that you know you can get through very mm-hmm. easily.
1: Yeah. The screen lifts out maybe. Yeah. Sometimes
2: louvers are able to be slid out of mm-hmm. their little.
1: Yeah. Or it's the door that no one normally uses that you intentionally left unlocked when you
2: left earlier in the evening. Definitely. Yeah. There's always that place. Mm.
1: Most houses I've lived in, I could probably break into again. Yeah. That's all you need is in, is in, inside inside knowledge. Yeah. You know? If you don't know anything about a building, then, you know, you're up against it. Your back's against the wall. The building could be a villain in your situation. The building almost becomes a character in a way. (laughs) That's the kind of thing people say, isn't it? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Exceptional Thieves. This is a podcast where (laughs) Isaac and I review and rewrite movies. I'm Sam. And I am Isaac. And this is our 50th episode celebration. Now, if you're new to the show, you may not be aware that we are currently... Almost halfway through watching the entirety of Daniel Craig's filmography for no reason. Craigslist. Craigslist, you might say. We are currently presenting the mini series, which is incredibly long, called Craigslist. <laughs> but today, for our 50th episode, we're going back to where this all began
2: to the. Well, it's not really where it began. Like, our first episode was on a
1: Star Wars film. Yeah. Yeah, but we have been, the name of our show, Exceptional Thieves, is derived from Die Hard. It is derived from the best movie ever made, yeah. And I think that must just be exceptionally confusing now. Just another barrier to people engaging with the content is that we now... We, <laughs> is that
2: our title comes from somewhere completely obscure
1: to the topic we're doing? But and but also obscure within that movie. I mean, even if you know Die Hard <laughs> quite well, you'd have to be quite eagerly to connect Exceptional Thieves. Yeah. Um, But obviously it's from the Hans Gruber line. And since I'm I'm actually Mrs. McLean, uh, I'm an exceptional thief, Mrs. McLean. And since I'm moving up to kidnapping, you should be more polite. I'm very excited to do this episode to put our original theme music at the start of it. Back on board. (laughs) Yeah, which is going to be quite fun. Um, And try to sort of talk around the fact that the name of our show comes from the line in which Hans Gruber is probably the least likable throughout the entire movie and is threatening a woman that he's just kidnapped to be more polite to him. And so it's a, probably the most gendered example of, of brutal sort of implied violence in the whole film. And that's what we named our show after. Good for us. Yes, yeah, so I've, I've, you know, you'll notice in the theme music, I cut off very quickly after he says McClane, <laughs> because if you left in since I'm moving up to kidnapping, you should be more polite. You might wonder what the hell you're about it to. It changes the
2: sort of like topic of the of
1: the of the conversation a really lot. Cha- change, yeah, and cha- changes the fun vibe of the whole thing <laughs> because um, there is a fun vibe. There is. We well, we we like to cultivate a fun vibe. I'd I, I like, like to think so. We're fun guys. Yeah, we're fun. We're fun, high energy guys. Who told you? Um, uh, well, uh,
2: my mother. My mum's never called me fun. Actually,
1: my mum's never called me a high energy guy. That'd be pretty weird. Uh, I don't think my mum's ever called me a guy before. Imagine your mum being like, "This get a load of this guy, <laughs> get a load of this guy over here." Uh, I think my what mom, a schmuck. My mum thinks she's too cool for me. Yeah, you know. is she? Probably. Okay. Let's face it. Can't tell. We can never get enough perspective on the older generation. You can only look down. You reckon? Yeah. You can only get angry at the younger generations. Well, that's why people usually get angry. They usually get angry because they're dissatisfied and they perceive the people younger than them to not be going through the same struggles that they did. We're not going to talk about... They still have struggles. But they're, just, they're just annoyed and <laughs> taking it out on the, on the old generation as they, as they always will. <laughs> We're not, this this is, movie
2: came out before either of us were
1: born. Yeah, but only just a year. Yeah, yes, only just. So we, this is we are nearly as old as this film. Yeah, and there's a lot of podcasts about Die Hard available. Okay, especially since a couple of years ago, it was its uh, it was the 30th anniversary of it being released. Mm-hmm. Everyone did their Die Hard episodes and i am i do feel kind of acutely aware that we didn't a good point that that didn't Go back to the lack of organization <laughs> didn't even occur to us for a second i wasn't i wasn't wasn't thinking about that but no we were doing new releases back then that was our we, our, were, our thing. we were doing the aquamanes, the robin hoods but now there's so much sort of diehard analysis out there whilst we are obviously filled with the love of this movie.
2: You feel as though everything we have to say has already been
1: said. Has very much already been said. And so really, the I think we need to put a bit of effort in here to get to some interesting questions about this film, to see if any still remain. Because we can go through we can go through everything we love about it, but you know who else loves everything we love about it, Isaac? Everyone. Everyone else. Because Die Hard is amazing. Everyone notices the fact that the SWAT guy hurts himself on the roses, and it's cool... It is cool. Everyone likes when... The little
2: um, henchman who steals the chocolate.
1: Steals the chocolate. Everyone loves that. Did you know that that Starman accidentally fell on that shot down the the shaft and then they just decided to use that shot in the film? Did you know it's actually the Fox building and so people were working down there during the day? I just think that's all been sort of worked through. Did you know it was Alan Rickman's first role? Yes. We know (laughs) this is Alan Rickman's first role. You know what's really interesting about Die Hard is what an unusual choice for the role Bruce Willis was at the time yep
2: th- so you don't want to talk about these things because well everybody knows them
1: we well we can blast we can, we can blast through them all now if, we <laughs> if you want. we just have blast <laughs> blasted through quite a lot of them um what else is there um Oh, there was there was they were writing it as they went. Did you know Frank Sinatra was offered the role because he was contractually obliged to be able to offer it because he starred in what was kind of the first one based on the first novel? Oh, did you know it was offered to Arnold Schwarzenegger but he didn't want to do it because he was trying to move into more comedy roles like Twins at the time. And it was and it was offered to Clint Eastwood but he didn't get the comedy. But it was offered to Stallone and Burt Reynolds and Richard Gere and lots of them didn't like it because they. What they felt like all he did was um, ask for help and 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 sort of and sort of run away from people instead of being the muscle bound action hero. Did you know it introduced it was sort of the beginning of a different era of action movies moving away from the muscle bound action heroes of the eighties and into into more grounded and humane characters that led to Speed and Air Force One and action heroes who weren't impossibly strong and were vulnerable. Like we know all this. Yep, we know all this. Yep. Yeah. Did you have fun? Um, kind of I think that's that, that's the way to do it isn't it just whip it out real quick yeah yeah <laughs> um Ooh. yeah Bushels was paid five million dollars that was loads of money at the time it blah was blah blah, blah.
2: it's actually just loads of money full stop
1: like well
2: in all seriousness
1: that's a good amount of money now
0: mm. Mm.
1: yeah mm. I haven't been able to find out actually why they paid him that much because he was the pious that made him the highest-paid actor in Hollywood. But wouldn't he have been cheap? Because he was basically just Chandler before this.
2: I don't know. Maybe he's just got the best manager.
1: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> like, yeah, fought a lot to get him mm. that. Yeah. Did you know he was also still shooting Moonlighting during the day, at least for a few weeks of the production? And they only had him for a certain amount of time because the star of the co-star of Moonlighting got pregnant. so They had to shut down production. That's the only way he's going to be able to do it. Um, that's I, th- I think I think that's all of those that's all of those things. Um, that's, a, that's a lot of trivia. Yeah. Oh, and people um, didn't accept him as an action hero at first, and they originally booed the trailer, and so they took him off the poster and just tried to make it a movie about a building. And then they put him back on um, after
2: they realised it.
1: Joel, it was Joel Silver's idea to sort of do the to do the movie after it, the script had sort of been canned for a long time and. He, eventually, he convinced John McTiernan to get on board. Who originally didn't want to do it. he just done Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he originally thought that Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to do the role, and they were going to be doing sort of like Predator again, basically. But then Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't do it, because as we've discussed just before. And John McTiernan made the big change from the book to the movie of the book of the baddies be actual terrorists in the book, but he decided that wasn't fun enough. He wanted to inject more life and joy into the movie. And one of the great things about Die Hard is how it finds all these ways to make the story uh, joyful and exciting, and makes it feel more like a theme park ride than sort of a tension-filled thriller, so that you can relax whilst enjoying the action without it being something that's um, without it without it being sort of boring or predictable. And it received unusual critical acclaim for an action movie because it got four Oscar nominations in it. Because it, probably because it had such a grounded and complex emotional sort of ro- romantic uh, drama storyline threaded through the action storyline as well. Yes. One of the things that's maybe difficult to answer about Die Hard is exactly why it's so good. A, because there's a thousand reasons, but B, because when you actually look at any of those reasons, it doesn't feel like it really answers the question. No. And why is it so good? Well, it's just really well written and well paced. Yeah, I, I guess, but... <laughs> that's, it's also uh, well what I'm feeling and the
2: sarcastic comedy is perfect and that hadn't really been done to such a great extent like action heroes always deliver their one-liners that's a that's the thing that happens but I think until Bruce Willis nobody delivered one-liners as though they were comedic mm. they were doing them as though this is what their character would seriously say yeah whereas Bruce Willis's version of a one-liner is like he's the character is mucking around mm. and Taunting his
1: his yeah. enemies and really feels like he's just made it up. Yeah, and makes you root for him a lot more because he's more of an underdog throughout the whole story. Whereas
2: he never has the upper hand.
1: Your more traditional action heroes are well more, have have more power in all of their situations, and even like James Bond, he might be in a situation where he is out of control. But he's but you know that he's this highly trained, very suave guy who's been in lots of these situations before. But the fact that it's a sort of more blue collar cop from New New York, you know he's been in some tough situations, but nothing like As this, close
2: as you can get to a regular Joe.
1: Yeah. You have no reason to expect him to be able to cope with this. Yeah. So that gives the that makes the one liners more sort of scrappy and Visceral, because they're, they're, they're doing something more than being funny. They're one of the tools he's using to try to manage the chaos of the situation. It's really good. I think one the reason the action in this is so good, or at least why it feels so good to me, is that whilst it is obviously extreme in lots of ways, it's also nowhere near as extreme as it could be. Yes. The counterpoint being Skyscraper which is, like, it's like, what if it's Die Hard on a plane, Die Hard on a boat, Die Hard on a train, Die Hard on, a, die hard in on this, an indoor pool, the and part- then it's, what if it was Die Hard in the Nakatomi building but bigger? And i like, wow, that's, like, the least inventive one we've come up with. And what they do in that movie is so Over overblown. T- and, it, and it is done with a different style. Like, I think it knows how stupid it is. But when you compare it to what actually happens in Die Hard, they just look at the building and try to think of cool things that could happen in it. And it's that thing with movies where... I think when people are making the movie, they think they need to magnify and make things as extreme as possible, whereas you can also shrink the parameters of what's going on and just magnify the effect it's having on the people in that context. And that has the same massive effect on the audience. So just being... I'm thinking about the first fight with the guy's brother who dies when he falls down the stairs. What's that? What's that brother's name? Because Carl's the other one. Carl's the other one. Um, oh Jesus! Oh, it's it the other one. Does it? I think so. Yeah. Anyway, the other one, and they've got the, and it's in that construction sign. It's the clanging of the steel bars as they smash through them, and. Things and really making that sort of harsh environment really tactile and tough to be smashed around in uh, makes make makes the action much more feel much more meaningful and, con- and consequential without having to have someone you know leaping from building to building.
2: I like when comparing films like Skyscraper to this. Is the massive action? Well, the stunt scenes where he jumps from the crane to the building, mm. and they're huge and cinem- cin- like cinematography is like over the top, and you're watching this man jump like forty meters for some reason. Mm. Whereas in Die Hard, with the same kind of stunt where he has to tie himself to the fire hose, yeah. it's just he jumps off the building, it fucks up, and yeah. he saves himself, and it's all it feels so much more intense because. It's just so small. The scale yeah. of it is is quite drilled down, and you're just caring
1: about this one guy, not this huge stunt that's being taken. Mm. And they, I think, one of the other reasons it's so good that I think taps into part of why why it feels so good to me is they manage to moderate the action somehow all the way through, so that it is just within that bandwidth of I could have a go at that.
2: Yeah, like, it feels like normal could, people action.
1: Like I, like I. Like, I just about could, if I really <laughs> went for it, could push myself to do each of these things. And then it goes that 5-10% over it, like, with the fire hose thing, or with, like, the climbing down the the ventilation shaft. Yeah. Where...
2: Wait, like, I, I like that it's, it's made in such a way where you can be, like, yeah, I could do that. I could live through dry hard. And then it gets to that point, but then... John McLean's character struggles with everything that he does. That mm. is over that line. Yeah, the guy's name's Tony, by the way. Tony.
1: Tony. Ah, to- ah, with a silent A at the start of it. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony. Classic German name. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you found it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh. Um, it when you like when you compare it to films like Commando or like Rambo: First Blood, and you have your hero. In First Blood, you see John John Rambo is comes across as the underdog for that film because there is an entire town of police officers mm. and National Guardsmen all hunting this one guy, and he just evades them. And there's yeah. that one scene where it's the cops are sweeping the forest for him and he keeps popping out of different places and stabbing one of them or getting mm. one in a trap and stuff. And he doesn't kill anybody, and it's an amazing film. But he's just so over-the-top good at what he's doing. Mm -hmm. At no point do you really worry for him as a character. Like, you know he's going to get through this because he's better than everybody else.
1: I haven't seen Rambo for a while, so correct me if I'm wrong, but would it be fair to say that he's sort of actively going into that situation a bit more? No, he's thrust into it. He's entirely thrust? Yeah, He's, um, at the
2: start of the film, he tries to have lunch in town and the sheriff takes him to out of town and he tries to walk back into town and the sheriff arrests him and then they beat him in a cell and he escapes and then they hunt him. Okay. And he's like having flashbacks of being in a PO war camp and stuff. Right. Actually a really good film, but for the whole film, he is at a level above everyone around him. Whereas in this film... John's just a cop, yeah. and he comes across as just a cop mm-hmm. struggling with everything.
1: Yeah, I think the, yeah, the differences there are the story in Rambo is about him from the beginning. Yeah, he, he the, the 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 situation is thrust upon him, but it's thrust upon him as an individual, whereas John McClane is adjacent to the situation. He just happens to be there. The baddies aren't there to get John McClane, no. and so that. Makes it kind of more exciting to enter the situation because you could he could just hide in <laughs> he an could office.
2: just be hidden and wait for things to he go bad just... but he can't just be hidden yeah because he is the
1: good guy yeah that's the other thing that's I think is so great that's probably one of the things that is so great about it is that just the amount of agency the main character has where even the main plot of the movie the fact that the the criminals are there he still has to choose to engage in it he doesn't even get taken as a hostage. He could have not been. He could have left the building. Could have. He could have just escaped. Probably. But his no, no, there's, there. there's a reason why he can't go down. They probably. Couldn't.
2: Oh yeah, they locked. They shut their um, elevators the off.
1: He could take the stairs. Yeah. But
2: while he's in the stairs, he sees people. So
1: that's yeah. why he goes
2: up instead of yeah. down.
1: You know, I was watching it very closely the other night, and I think there's there's one or two things, but pretty much any where you try to poke a hole in the plot. They there fix is, it. there's a shot there to just to cover it up. They fix it, yeah. There's a shot to try and, you know, so they they have thought of nearly all of the <laughs> holes in the plot.
2: I enjoy so much how the whole story takes place on about four levels of the building, and he keeps going back and forth between them, mm. and he goes through the same places from different directions all the time. Yeah, like the the naked lady calendar yep. he sees that he's always passing it from mm. a different way which yeah. is so cool And makes you feel like he's using the entire building yeah for his and adventure
1: and they've set up in previous shots that he's always looking at girls which is just another <laughs> way they sort of make him a, a regular imperfect character <laughs> Uh, but then that kind of has the... Because they show him notice that. Yeah. And then he notices it again. And that's how he reorientates himself. So, oh, now I know how I'm here. But that's also telling us the audience where we are where in is, the yeah. building as well. That's one of the things I really noticed on that rewatch is... And it's a weird reference point, but I actually made it think of one of the things Philippa Boyens says in the making of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay. where. Um, Especially in the Fellowship, where they're introducing the audience to the world who maybe doesn't know Middle-earth at all, everything that happens, every shot and every line, uh, every scene, had to be doing multiple things at once.
2: You've got to set up the world yeah, and so set up the characters. It's
1: not just... You can't ever be just people talking. Everything that happens is setting up the characters, the culture, the geography, the language, the stakes, and... That's one of the things they do so artfully in those movies. And I thought you could really see that happening in this film. That's part of why it's exposition is also effortless, because you're receiving exposition at the same time you're learning about you're learning about the building, in addition to learning about where the people are, at the same time you're learning about what these characters are like.
2: There is and one line. What their relationship actually, is. When we talk about lines, there's one line in the film that I don't think needs to be in the film and that he comes in and says I'm looking for Holly Gennaro, Holly McLean. Type it in there. And then he types it in, finds her name is Gennaro in the system. And then the guy goes, yep, the 30th floor. They're the only ones left in the building. Why would he have told him to type it into the thing yeah, I've if heard... there is one floor of people
1: left? So... Like, I it could have... be a security thing. This has this, this has come up. Okay. What I've heard is... First... what. People were arguing that it's standard security procedure for someone to have have someone there they're there to see for them to tell them where to go. But then he has said who he's there to see out loud. Mm-hmm. But then that would mean the security guard would have to know all the names of the people in the building for him to recognize the name. Or he would have to refer to a book, which he doesn't have because it's all on the electronic system. So he doesn't know if Holly Gennaro is a real name or not. Well, Holly McLean. Or Holly McLean. Yeah, so that's why he has to type it into the system and that is demonstrating the technical advancement of the building which is supposed to be, yeah which is sort of exacerbating the fish out of water feeling that John McClane is experiencing whilst also setting up even more about the nature of their estrangement and also familiarising you with the guy in the foyer who's going to get shot in the next scene and be replaced by one of the criminals
2: I guess. I just don't like that line.
1: It, it, it clangs for you, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. There are very, very few parts of this mm-hmm. film that have
1: ever clanged. Yeah. They just, by, and it's, it's inexplicable how they managed to do it. But there's other, there's other times I've really no, noticed that as well, where after um, Powell has crashed his car. He's getting out and he's on the radio and he's saying, if the person's on this transmission can still hear me, acknowledge this transmission. And while he's saying that, the other cars are pulling up and he's gesturing them away. But just the fact that he's doing both of those things at once just tightens the whole movie up. You it's know what so I mean? good. Like yeah, you yeah, might yeah. think, okay. It's
2: a very like a human, a realistic thing for him to do. Like I'm on yeah. the phone. Shut up, guys.
1: Yeah. but And makes the situation feel more organic that when – it's not just a shot where this person is saying this thing. Multiple things are going on, so we have to manage multiple things at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that's something I really noticed that I think is what is what elevates the whole thing.
2: I also like that the body falls in such a way where it's coming at the car, like that's just yeah. the way it's shot. He falls vertically and then he sort of like aims towards the windscreen of the car. Yeah, I like that. It's so bad. Like it's not bad. It's just. Not physically possible, unless he caught an updraft.
1: Well, yeah, no, I think yeah, you know, he's, he's he's caught a draft. <laughs> yeah.
2: He's got that but, that like frisbeness to the body where it's just like, yeah, yeah he because catches he's... the wind
1: as he falls. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's probably he's, he's opened his jacket, so his windsuit
2: is That's a what bit. it is. He ties the sides of his jacket to the wrists. Mm. Yeah, mm. and props him out with chair and he's, legs. He's
1: also given him a bit of momentum when he swung broke, him out.
2: Broke a lot of chairs in that room, so he used the legs yeah. to prop him out. Yeah. Into...
1: No more table. One of the weirdest. Where are you going, pal? Now, now, there's a bit of unnecessary exposition. <laughs> yeah, we can see there's no more. <laughs> But The problem now is there's no more table for you to get through. <laughs> Next time you have a chance to kill somebody, don't
2: hesitate. And he unloads an entire clip. <laughs> <into> the- <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the advice.
1: Yeah. Well, here's <laughs> what. There's a hole because he's firing them through the table. He doesn't know where the guy is, which I presume is why he's firing so many. When you move the gun around nah, to try and make sure. It's just you- cooler this way. <laughs> okay. Okay. I shot some guns recently. Okay. And so the other thought that was going through my head watching the movie was John McClane will not his hearing is gone. Yep. Because because the they're hearing, inside a building. Yeah. I That's hearing even worse. What, what gunfire is like that close without the ear protection on like is Awful. And the, especially that shot, because he's holding the handgun right next to his face, because it's just propped up <laughs> on his elbow. So, yeah. Gun, guns are loud and heavy. That's yeah. what I learned. War must be so hard. Oh. Yeah. having have
2: Lug around that. Imagine lugging around like an stuff. M16, like an actual like little machine gun. Yeah. Where you have to put it on a little stand when you get where you're going. Imagine carrying that thing. That's what? like a
1: body. All I'll all i say is, I un, I understand why things can escalate because if you've carried that, if you've carried that for a couple of days. You're, you're just like, not in a good mood. I, I am firing this at someone. I would
2: rather not take all these bullets back, so I'm going to use them. Someone
1: <laughs> is getting shot. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Otherwise, I've put my back out for no reason.
2: You just you go out with X amount of ammo, which is yeah. so heavy, and you come back with none. Oh, this yeah. is such a breeze.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You get to where you're going, oh, no, th- 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 there's peace. They signed an accord. What? <laughs> well, fuck. God damn it. I was That's just That's why when,
2: like, occupying forces shoot all of those, like all the bullet holes in Stonehenge from during the war. Are there really? There's hundreds of bullet holes in Stonehenge no from way. occupying forces just, like, chilling. Or, like, the British Army just, like, chilling. Not occupying forces. No. But you do not occupy Stonehenge,
1: sir. Wasting ammo, just
2: like shooting it, so you don't have to carry (laughs) it back. Yeah, (laughs) that's the reason. That'd be why you do it.
1: No, war is hell. War is hell. Even culture, even (laughs) yeah, yeah, especially for culture Mm. and for Mm. life, and and probably for the people in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The other thing I noticed was,
2: do you know how you go? go. No, you go. Huh? What, what was the other thing what? you noticed?
0: We're
1: doing such a good job of not interrupting each other.
2: I'm enjoying it. Me me, me too. You... I'm purposely waiting for you to speak. Okay, then.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> it... Yeah, the other thing. <laughs> Son of a bitch.
1: <laughs> the pacing of the movie, I felt like, is more akin to the pacing of like a disaster movie than an action movie. Where you get a lot of time at the start before anything takes place. Yeah, it's more like um, it made me think of things more like um, 2012. Well, yeah, I guess on a on the day scales. after tomorrow, but things like um, Daylight, Will Sylvester Stallone, nice. Where you, it, the problem is the in, is the environment and things start out normal and then there's this tension of knowing things with- are going to take a turn. And with you could think with an action movie. You're thinking, right? We've got to establish our action hero, so you have your opening sequence like a Bond movie, where the movie opens with a car chase or a shoot. Like you'd open with John McClane in New York, clearly busting some bad guys and showing that he's cool, and then he goes, and then he enters the plot of fighting you know, the bad guys.
2: You wanna you want to open it with him handling his six-month backlog of New yeah. York scumbags
1: he's trying to put behind bars. Yeah, but the fact that it, the fact that it's. It it, makes it, And I think that really makes the bad guys feel badder, because they feel like this just malignant force that enters the movie, like I, a tornado or something, that you can't sort of hold back. I enjoy the amount
2: of seeing them at the start. Like, it's not too much. You witness mm. just the cars turn up, they split up and go in their direction, so they obviously know where they're going. Yeah. They just turn up, and then the truck opens, and they're there.
1: I don't know why I love it so much, but the way that there's that tracking shot following the vehicles, and then the truck just sinks down onto the ramp. Oh, it's so not And you, don't, you, you can't see the ramp, but so, the way it just suddenly dips down, it's going underground and burrowing into the building. Actually, there's a question. It always gets
2: me. In your research, is there reasoning why the truck arrives, yeah. they get out of the back of the truck, and then later on, an ambulance drives out the back of
1: the truck? No, that's just one... That's probably the big just mistake that because they were riding so much of it on the fly, that they
2: like didn't it's real cool that. to drive an ambulance in. Yeah,
1: just that's an awesome way to escape. Yeah, but they came up with that idea really late in the shoot, and then it's only when they put the movie together they realize you see right inside the truck you can see there's no ambulance in there. <laughs> it's a blow-up, it's a, it's so, just an inflatable ambulance. Yeah, or somehow the ambulance that's somehow a different truck that they already planted in the car park days before could assume that. I'm but trying. I'm yeah. trying. So, yeah. I
2: don't hate that the ambulance just comes out as though there maybe
1: there's mm. an extra compartment in there. People's other concern with that is, was Hans really planning to get all of the original crew into that one ambulance? Or was he just expecting <laughs> 70% of them to die? Well, it could
2: be like there are several escape plans.
1: Yeah. And you know? this is the one where most of us are dead. <laughs> we'll just nip in this ambulance that's good yeah such a good movie the other thing that i'm interested in i forgot what i was gonna say the one the one bit of research i did that i thought oh that's actually something that's mildly interesting (laughs) (laughs) in the in the in the massive sort of onslaught of diehard trivia well this isn't really trivia is just how much they what they changed from the book and how much is the same as the book uh huh. So instead of it being his daughter, it's his wife. But, um, yeah. So big changes from do- from wife to a lot more daughter people die wife. in the book because in the book he's an old man. Yeah. Which kind of lends a, a, a veneer of sense to offering it to Frank Sinatra, although he was still way too old. But at least <laughs> you weren't like you weren't offering him John McClane. You were offering him like Taken or something. You know. He's yeah, a, a but also chap. it would have been more of a like a less physical, violent, just like shooting from behind a doorway. Oh M-M-M. yeah, it would be like Harrison Ford running now. <laughs> you know. Exactly. Which I, you hate to see it. Um, I like seeing it. I love me some Harrison. But the detect the 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 detective who's the main character. Um, he is going to the Christmas party at his daughter's. Um, company Mm -hmm. um he doesn't have any shoes on he is in radio contact with a police officer al Powell, down on the um down on the street he climbs through ventilation shafts he um the top of the building explodes and he jumps off the side of the building tied to a fire hose Mm -hmm. he uh kills the brother of one of the terrorists who has a vendetta against him throughout the storyline yep um, other big change is uh, the bad guy gets knocked out of the window and takes his daughter with him so yes. his daughter dies interesting ethical complexity in that one because it's sort of revealed throughout the plot that the daughter because they are terrorists and they're trying to attack this evil company the daughter is totally complicit in the evil stuff the company has genuinely been doing
0: yeah.
1: so a, a much more sort of grim quote unquote mature storyline going on in the book <laughs> Um, and after um. The main character escapes the building. the The brother of the one he killed, who he thought was dead, escapes. is revealed to still be alive before being shot by Sergeant Al Powell. Yep, that's all in the book. <laughs> so it's an it, it's amazingly kept kind of this backbone that does genuinely a lot of come elements from the book. come from. Their source material, yeah. But with these huge quadrants still changed into what we now have. And I think, and this is something that also isn't new, but the amazing thing to think about Die Hard is you you could be forgiven for thinking it's just a singular vision that kind of like the way uh, Bong Joon-ho storyboards every scene. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't he doesn't shoot coverage. He doesn't just shoot a bunch of stuff and then he we'll see what exactly we get. In the what needs. Room. He knows what he's shooting moment to moment. The actors know what they're doing is going to be used in the final film, and they know why because they know how the entire scene is going to look. Mm-hmm. That's what. If someone said Sam make something as good as Die Hard, they'd be like, "Okay, I'm going to have to sit down and because you you would have to go I would have to frame draw, by frame, frame by frame, mm-hmm. and have the whole thing in my head before I turned up and tried to do anything." And this wasn't like that at all. It was completely chaotic. Multiple writers. They had half a script when they started filming it. They were making stuff up all the time. Yeah, they didn't really figure out who John McClane's character was till like halfway through the shoot. The, the fact I, that it all comes together. Yeah, they didn't make- have any time to film with the helicopters. No. So it should have been shit. You would think so. Yeah. Yeah. And com- and it's a complete gamble to cast Bruce Willis. It's a complete gamble to cast Alan Rickman. And every single gamble paid off, you know? <laughs> and it's one, those, it's one of those great sort of mysteries of filmmaking is to what degree is what happened here genuine... Just manifestations of talent from the people involved, and how much of it was just sheer sheer stars luck and aligning. Flunk. Yeah,
2: I think there's an element of both. Yeah, like,
1: like the yeah how how that what the components of that mixture are. I think that that's the that's part of the mystery at the core of Die Hard is how do we get this and why can't we do of... it all the time? We can because you can't just do it again. We don't get movies this good all the time. You can't just do you it. You don't.
2: Some like it. Like I think the way to make movies that are on par with being as good as Die Hard, you have to go, and a lot of people go down massively stylized routes. Like Edgar Wright, mm. everything he does is specifically on purpose, but everything he does is also very stylized into what he wants it to look like. Yeah, this isn't like that. This is just no. a, a regular filmed like a regular action movie. Yeah, with nothing overly fancy it's it just, just a be... regular action film but yeah. it just is it the way it comes together is yeah just really ah, workmanlike so, and it's quite long for an action movie
1: yeah it's like a bit over 2 yeah yeah it's
2: so, so it's not it's not a short movie they've they've done a lot of filming mm. but just to for the for the studio not to have taken stuff away from them as well mm. and like kept it at that length it makes me happy
1: yeah, I think I think I. I mean, obviously, it's hard to imagine any different version of it. Exactly, you can't pick. You can't picture anywhere where they could have cut stuff out. Yeah, there's probably a couple of. Is there a bad guy fight you could cut? No, nope. because the first one sets up the brother thing. The, the second one the throws table, out the dudes out the,
2: out the window. The guys downstairs have to shoot the SWAT team. He it's blows like, up them shooting the SWAT team. Yeah, using his C four which is another which is another scene that I love. He just assumes that that's where the elevator is going to be.
1: That's my question. Why does that blow out the 4th floor? Because that's where the elevator went.
2: Because when anyway he hides and sees them running past with their big thing of bazookas into an elevator and then down to where they shoot. Also that
1: elevator has stopped at a certain level so he's well, blo- so he's, he's assumed that the
2: elevator has stopped there they've gotten out again. and hasn't moved again.
1: Right, okay. There's always an answer.
2: Yeah, I want to know an how answer. C4 actually works. If he just puts the detonator in and yeah. then drops it down the shaft, I have thought that if you, like, with a
1: computer attached, so if you just like, is the computer necessary? Like, if you kick C4, does it blow up? I don't think it does. <laughs> will it blow up?
2: <laughs> is there a place in a C4 that if you kick it, it will <laughs> with, blow up with, with a computer on it? <laughs> If you put a computer on C4 really hard... I'm actually... I've never actually done that before. I'm going to Google it. Oh, okay. And an incogn- inc- incognito tab, just so that Google doesn't know I've Googled C4. Yeah,
1: because Google doesn't know what you do with the incognito tabs, Isaac. Exactly. Why would it record that? How it works, no question one knows. mark. <laughs> the government doesn't know? No one knows.
2: Detonation can only be initiated by a shockwave. Such as when a detonator inserted into it is fired. So the detonator that he inserts in fires somehow. And maybe yeah. the compression of the computer pushing down upon them. Yeah. Like a, like, a, like a pin in a gun hitting the bullet might fire the detonator.
1: You know, I'm sure there's a Reddit on this. There would be. And I just encourage people to, to seek that out. Because we haven't done that. We <laughs> haven't done that. And that's okay. This is not a diehard trivia podcast.
2: <laughs> thus far, it's been quite, quite no, heavily with the diehard we trivia. We did it all at the beginning. <laughs> we haven't gone through the plot too, so no spoilers no. thus far. Yeah, all well, this could just be happening in any, in, in, in any, like chronological order.
1: One of the other things that I think <laughs> one of the reasons John McClane really works, and maybe this is part of why he endures, is that. The way he behaves he is obviously still a kind of expression of sort of Reagan era action hero. It's still a sort of fantasy fulfillment, but it's not particularly tied to that era. Like the film doesn't isn't apart from people's hair and the fact that no one has a phone, he's just not wearing that dated and the way he the way people behave Apart from Ellis, who... Oh, also in the book, a character called Ellis pretends to know um, the the hero and talks to him on the radio and it doesn't work and the bad guy shoots him in the head. Dude. Also in the book, the bad <laughs> guy gets the president of the corporation, takes him upstairs and tries to get him to tell him the code to the, the vault and he won't tell him so he shoots him in the head. N- n- so much of the film is from the book. <laughs> but the book is not called Die Hard. No, it's called Nothing, Nothing Lasts Forever. forever. Which I feel like is something that Frank Sinatra really sort of took to heart when he turned down the role. He <laughs> was like, "You know what, guys? Nothing lasts forever, guys." I feel like the title's giving me a hint, and <laughs> I'm gonna be dead soon. So <laughs> nothing, to, nothing to complain about. I was Frank Sinatra, so yeah, yeah. At that time, I am yeah. I like the trailer for the original movie, the the detective. And I've not seen the trailer for this one. Of, it's one of those ones where, like, in a city ravaged by... <laughs> it's, like, it's like a pimps, prostitutes, and perverts. Is it like a 60s or 70s? Yeah, it's old. Oh. One man stands up against the tide of deviance or something like that, you know? <laughs> the detective. Yeah. Pimps, prostitutes, and perverts. <laughs> Does everyone like, middle America be like, oh, yeah, New York's terrible, man. <laughs> It's such a terrible... Or wherever voice. that is. Could be LA. Escape from New One York. of those places that people have escaped from one of those other movies sounds terrible. <laughs> so many things beginning with P. That's a fun voice to do. I like that you can do that voice. From Lionsgate Cinema. 16-8. Coming this this fall. Um, the Detective. The Detective. Die Hard. Joe Leyland. Blackpoint. Flash time, pull draw, outback. Just think, you know. Are you just thinking of words? Well, there was the trend of everyone's movie title has to sound like Die Hard now. So <laughs> you know. daylight.
2: Yeah, which was yeah. beforehand. I
1: was watching one of those making ofs, and they're making me think about how Joel Silver was. He's just this sort of l- larger than life, insane, lived in Hollywood his whole life kind of guys, mm. and. Just has had a couple of dream runs with the movies that he's just, you know, he's he's a manifester. you know. (laughs) They say he's someone who just, just, just wills things into being with this (laughs) immense sort of, you know, just adrenaline fueled his belief, excitement and and belief, yeah. And um, that's the secret. And apparently, when he gave it to John McTiernan, he was just like, "The roof of the building has top of the building has to blow up." And I just thought, (laughs) well, yeah, that is where the end of the dick is. So, just. (laughs) I need the end of it to blow up the big, tall, strong building. Because, and it's called Die Hard. He came up with the name. It's called Hard, and but never, never dying. I never dying. Die Hard, and the big thing will blow up.
2: You know, uh, as action films go, yep, that feature big, tall buildings. Mm-hmm. This one,
1: hard buildings,
2: big, tall, hard buildings. Yep,
1: strong, hard, beautiful buildings. I don't buildings. think they
2: shoot the building in such a way that it looks like a phallic symbol in this movie as much as they do in other movies.
1: No. In a weird way, you could say the movie, the, the building is really not a character. Well, it is. I guess it's a character in, much, in as much as it sort of represents like the Japanese culture of the company when it comes through in the in some of the design and its high-tech nature. And also nature. the
2: building, the external shots and internal like the building it's set is filmed in a, a very good way to minimize your need to tell outside story like you don't need mm. massive setup shots to say we're on the roof now you just film him on the roof yeah. you don't need to have a massive sweeping helicopter shot around mm. the roof to show him on there you yeah. just film from on the roof
1: yeah it everything is pretty much everything you're seeing is from his Perspective yeah, from inside the you're building, quite close to him, which gives it that claustrophobic feeling. Mm. But also true, there's no, uh, there's no public in this movie. No, just a the cops no turn up and then some crowd reporters. watching, which movies love to do, and in in they do that in bloody skyscraper where there's loads of people standing there watching. You can leave, guys. There's like a helicopter filming him (laughs) climb, and they show that being projected on a big screen down the bottom so the audience can watch that. (laughs) And it's like, just so you know, not only is The Rock doing this, but everyone there saw him do the whole thing and knew how amazing it was. (laughs) That's a real cultural shift because... (laughs)
2: Apparently we need Rock, to know everything.
1: Well, The Rock wouldn't be happy with this because he's like, it's not enough that the real life audience knows I did all that amazing stuff in the building. I
2: need the characters. I need in people
1: them, in world to know. <laughs> like no one is going to, no one's going to know everything John McClane went through because I don't even know if he tells them and he probably won't.
2: He wouldn't tell anybody.
1: He'll debrief to the... Oh no, he
2: does an interview in Die Hard 2. He's known by a reporter lady because she saw him on some TV show.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, he do he do a bit of that, well, but
2: if you could get some dosh out of killing thirty yeah. people,
1: but even just you telling <laughs> it, that's not as cool as everyone watching you do it at the time. Like it's one of those Red Bull Extreme Sports festivals. On that subject, I watched a film the other day called
2: Line of Duty, which uh-huh. stars Aaron Eckhart. It was made uh-huh. last
1: year. Now I
2: love me some Aaron Eckhart.
1: Me too. He's one of those. People I believe who... in Harvey Dent. Yeah, yeah, sure. He's he's one of those actors. Are you I sure feel... because he gives you reason not to. By before the end of the film, <laughs> he's
2: one of the actors that has had a lot of hits and misses, and a lot more misses mm. than hits.
1: He's one of those, oh yeah, that guy people.
2: But he's never like bad in a film that he's in. No, the films can be bad, but Aaron Eckhart,
1: yeah, is on. Yeah.
2: So Line of Duty is much a film like Britain's best actor about a disgraced police officer who is still a police officer. Okay, um, imagine that. I know. Imagine being a disgraced police officer and still being a police officer. and
1: So he's a bad app.
2: Basically, the storyline is that the police chief's daughter has been kidnapped by some unknown people, and she has 63 minutes to live.
1: That's weirdly specific. I know. It's a Oh, before they kill her. Before,
2: well, no. like... They get, like, this video of, like, a little webcam of her in a tank that's filling up with water and a timer oh. that says 63 minutes. Okay. And so it counts down as he goes around town solving clues and stuff and, like, doing stuff, all while actual police officers are also doing this, but he's against them for some reason because they blame him for doing something stupid but what do you do? The entire time he is accompanied by a girl who is part of a news website who films his entire journey, and the entire film is about the like the world. She it's going viral and it's like live streaming the entire thing as he beats people up and like, you know, he does a little bit of the police brutality stuff, but it shows him as being the good guy, and like,
1: that sounds
2: shameful it was very weird and i did not like it and the fact that so many people are watching it live and then you have those shots where they're driving in a car and the car comes up next to them with all these people with their cameras out going oh my god i got you guys we're on the same road
1: doesn't that phone battery die i don't know it doesn't it's just a charger pack or something
2: maybe or maybe it's just a stupid idea for a film
1: that doesn't say anything good about us as a culture does it that now, that's that's where action movies have gone to. We can't imagine someone being a hero unless in-world they are doing it for an audience. Yeah, and you can't is,
2: do good things unless everybody knows about them.
1: Yeah, unless you go viral, <laughs> doesn't count. It's like Pixar, it didn't happen, but for action movies. Which is depressing.
2: Yeah. Because Die Hard, the ending of the film, Holly punches the reporter in the face. Yeah. Clearly saying I want privacy. Like
1: yeah, the- our story is not for you guys. Mm. And he's and he's already got a fireman's jacket on, firefighters jacket on, sort of pretending to just be helping Holly. He's not even drawing any attention to himself. Yeah, he's just got a jacket nice going he away. Needs a CT scan as soon as possible. What do you mean? He's fine. Nah bro. He's fine. He would have only died like six times. He's a he's a walking splenic laceration. That man.
2: No, that fight scene with
1: Carl up top. That's not too bad at all. For my money, the like, I can I can pretend to not see the ambulance thing. Maybe there's a fake back to that truck, and the ambulance yeah. is behind it. You know, maybe they, maybe <laughs> it came out of um, Newt Scamander's. Briefcase. Uh, exactly. Something I like, I
2: like a fold up ambulance idea. Yeah. yeah. I think it's in a- behind them is a little chassis, like yeah. low, so they, they've got room in there to sit up on top of it while they're being driven in. Yeah. And the shot you get of their. From, like, waist high as they exit the truck. Yeah. There's a chassis behind that, and it just basically folds up to look yeah. like an ambulance. It's an Ikea ambulance. Exactly. Yeah. Because they're very European terrorists.
1: Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a couple of them are Swedish. They had some Ikea connections, and they're like, <laughs> I can get us an ambulance. You won't even know it's there, mate. It's a secret ambulance. Yeah. Or when they got there, the ambulance was small. They put it in water. So by the time the end of the evening, it's now big and they can drive it out. Exactly. The thing, the one thing I cannot (laughs) look around is how dead Carl is. After he's hung for a long time. Uh, And shown to still be hanging many minutes later. (laughs) (laughs)
2: As they run downstairs.
1: As in, even if he was pretending to be dead while John McLean was there. He would have climbed
2: down. But why would he be pretending to be dead? It's Carl. He'd be angry. But also, the way that he gets hung is just wrap the chain around a few times and push him over. Yeah. That would not hold... Because like if you wrap a rope around something a few times and don't tie it to anything, yeah, he could just, just unravel that. itself. Yeah, <laughs> his weight would unravel that chain, and he'd just be on the ground. Yeah, probably very sore. Because
1: I can even look around it. Say he just he because he swings him off the stairs, and then he keeps running off upstairs. Yeah, so yeah. maybe he didn't see what happened. But that follow up shot of him still hanging <laughs> is the problem. As the people come back, and I want to see a way around it, but I can't think of it. <laughs> No, I think
2: Carl is just the epitome of henchmen. Can you think of a better movie henchman than Carl? Like, there are some good Bond henchmen. Mm. But Carl is quite terrifying. Because he still takes orders from his boss, even when he gets the vendetta against
1: John. Carl is so great because he's... A henchman who has a competing motivation. Yeah. You know, he has other stuff going on. But he
2: still does his job. Yeah. Until such point where he's like, go get him. And like, sweet, I'm off the leash now. I'll go get him. Mm. Like, he still takes orders from his boss. I think that's pretty, that's, that's pretty professional for a henchman. That's not your henchman getting a vendetta and then just screwing up the plan because of what he does. Mm. He still sticks to the plan because he knows... Hans has got a good plan. This is what happens. Hans is in yeah. charge.
1: It manages to not go for the obvious way to create action all the time. Yeah. You know? And I think when to me that that, that comes across as just a ma- maturity thing. Like people who just... So many action movies, that well, it's action. So get to the action as fast <laughs> as you can all the time. And this movie just knows how to put those extra couple of steps in there in a way that increases the tension so the final confrontation with him is more impressive and makes you more engaged the whole time because you know he's you know there's this character there because hans is is more sort of aloof and not engaged but you know there's this other guy who's very engaged and now isn't just worried about the plot but is wants to kill john specifically um what was my line of thought there yeah, it's it's better to just de- to delay that mm. and make it make it a story
2: yeah and that like there's no dissension in the ranks of the terrorists and quite often in these sort of films when you have your team of bad guys there is one mm. character in there who's either on the fence or another antagonist yeah but they're all one unit it's mm. just that Carl has his vendetta that he then gets, like his character is allowed to then follow. Yeah. And it's not breaking the rules. He's just... No.
1: It's also just, it, it taps into that thing of how how cool it is to watch people just really effectively accomplish tasks. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like put his gun together in the elevator?
0: <laughs> yeah, or just
1: when um, Tony is going to find the wires and you see him walking through the corridors and he's clearly memorised where to walk. Yeah. And he's sort of talking to himself and goes, oh, then turn here Jumps over and the turn, thing, turn yeah. here and it all goes perfectly and then he slides down the railings. And so it's kind of the same thrill you get from watching them do the heist in Ocean's Eleven.
2: Because they've you know? obviously planned this heist yeah. to the T and now they're just yeah. doing their plan.
1: This is their evil Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> and Or just and i think that's something that you have has to be more effort you have to be more effortful to do in movies because you have to think of the really clever competent thing they've they've done you know rather than some sort of general bad guys you're not
2: having them just run around the building aimlessly just have all oh, bad know guys where they're, going.
1: they're in black they meet the good guy okay shootout like the, yeah. to think through you know what is the actual complex multi-step plan of the heist and show them doing it is makes it feel really real makes them more in, intimidating yeah. and and i think the other thing is they're henchmen who are also smart. Yes. so That
2: could be a thing that's also point out, like problems with other action movies that this action movie doesn't have. In that fact, for things like John Wick, or at the end of every John Wick movie, when the 30 bad guys turn up to the place and John's just defending himself and yeah. they're just coming in wave after wave and he shoots them. There's no like specific plan that you see from them. It'd yeah. be great to see John Wick have to deal with people who are actually competent in their jobs
1: yeah absolutely that's that's the main limitation of the john wick universe is no one ever seems to know who john wick is and, and seems to think i'm just gonna run up yeah i mean are there no snipers in john wick world like you <laughs> well, know there are
2: in the first one but he gets like you know he's staying saved hotel. by the sniper like yeah. willem dafoe is the sniper but it turns out yeah. he's a good guy <laughs> yeah
1: it's john wick mates with all the snipers because yeah if um willem dafoe had been a bad guy we'd get half of one movie
2: <laughs> less than
1: yeah I mean, I love the John Wick movies, but that's the thing to think about as well, that everyone everyone kind of talks about, oh, Die Hard, it was this turning point, you know, it it perfected the, the, the action movie and it ushered in this new era of action movies. And I kind of don't think that's true.
2: I think it's the turning point and it ushers in a new genre of action movies, but nobody can meet it. Like, there's enough. There are very few films that reach that point of realism in their action film. Where I can't
1: think of any. I mean, sure, there's the structural component of an action movie in a contained place.
2: Yeah. But. And that's. I think that's what people claim is what Die Hard started. And that's fine. Hmm. Like, you have Die Hard on a bus, which is speed. But yeah. speed itself. I think is one of the few films that makes your character not do anything overly impossible for a human being to to take. Yeah. Because
1: really to me that's a, that's where the similarities end. Yeah. The, that is actually moving on a, on a bus and also Like, if you really think that through, there's no similarity between a bus and a building. No, the building is stationary. Everything that makes Die Hard die hard Hard about being in a movie, none of that translates to a bus. Is it just the fact that Keanu Reeves isn't Arnold Schwarzenegger?
2: I think it's just the fact that it's one guy again. But that that one guy is made to seem like a regular human instead of an over-the-top, roided-out action hero who could survive anything yeah so I think and like you can't like other than Die Hard and then in turn maybe Speed Speed is not as good as Die Hard we, we, we know no. this we know this it's up there it is up there because Sandra Bullock is great yeah um, and Dennis Hopper is a really good villain
1: he is but because of, like, there like are very Waterworld. few
2: films who do it well in even like despite the fact that everything is inspired by or like everything comes from Die Hard
1: well I think yeah that's where this gets difficult because if you say not not many other movies do it well what is it having well because I mean Keanu, Keanu Reeves he's a very accomplished sort of police officer like
2: he's not though he's a SWAT say, officer uh,
1: Yes SWAT
2: which is like which would come across SWAT, as being better at everything than John McClane SWAT is way better than John
1: McClane <laughs> And it's got shoes on. He does have shoes on. Like Air Force One, Die Hard on a plane. Kinda. But a plane is again very different, and the main character is the president. <laughs> you know? He, like know. weirdly, Skyscraper is the closest. Because it's just a regular dad. Yeah. <laughs> you can, yeah, kinda. Well, some, although he's well, still swat, a regular dad with one leg. One leg, but then he's also with the an unbreakable. Rock.
2: <laughs> the rock is basically Arnie. Yeah. Like, that's what, like, The Rock is our, our yeah. current generation.
1: Skyscraper. Arnie. Is what Die Hard was at risk of being. So- yeah. Could you imagine
2: if they'd taken someone like Arnie, who would have said all the one-liners, like, Arnie says them. Yeah. And, like, they would just not, you wouldn't love them as much. You can't. Like, coming out to the coast, we'll have a few laughs. Hmm. Imagine that in Arnie's accent. (laughs) Come out with the cause, we get together. It just would not be fun. And also, uh, Arnie wouldn't fit in those Um, ducks. Like crawling through the air ducts, yeah, yeah, wouldn't be able to do that. The- well, he
1: wouldn't have fallen down because he'd just wedge in there. He'd have to oil himself up and then just slide in there like the basilisk in the water pipes <laughs> and just nose his way down and then try and and just try and do the and worm. That, that scene where Carl's there.
2: underneath it poking from the bottom, it yeah. just falls out because it would just collapsed.
1: He'd have looked at that fire hose and gone, definitely not. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, are there any more fire hoses? He Can just I tie on bare three? bare hands,
2: smash through pieces of glass to make handholds and
0: <laughs> climb down.
1: <laughs> yeah, like um, Wonder Woman. <laughs> exactly. Just, chung, chung. Yeah. Yeah. Carl would have seen him like, you know what? Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> I've got other brothers. I've got a sister. It's whatever. You're, you're doing great. Could you great. imagine,
2: though, like Carl finding, looking up at him? <laughs> like the imposing Carl yeah. looking up at her. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he wouldn't be able to do any of the sneaking. Like, no. imagine Arnold Schwarzenegger crashed on top of the ele-
2: I'm trying to think of a film where Arnold Schwarzenegger does sneaking. And other than Predator, which yeah. isn't sneaking because he's in a forest... Like you can be as tall as you want and still sneak in a forest.
1: Yeah, but he 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 legitimately sneaks in the opening action scene, which is a, a shot that always stayed with me when he just headfirst, like lying down, commandos down that oh down hill, the hill to, to take just, it, and yep. just just sneaks through the leaves. <laughs> that's that's really cool. Just really communicated to someone who's very confident in this environment, which should be you know really difficult to navigate, and just moves through it so fluidly. Predator, you know, Man. predator hundredth episode.
2: <laughs> um but see that's a different genre of action film if you show your massively roided out huge hulking men who are competent at their job mm. that's a different kind of action film even when you give them the predator who's better than them and everything and therefore they are the underdogs they're still
1: as in if the baddies look like arnold schwarzenegger you mean.
2: well if you if the good guys look like arnold schwarzenegger and then the baddies are better and Arnold Schwarzenegger, therefore, is supposed to be the underdog, mm. it's still Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Like, if you do, like, Predator 2, where you have Danny Glover as I don't... the underdog, it makes more sense, because it's Danny Glover. He's just a regular cop dude.
1: Yeah, kind of older. Yeah. <laughs> just a cop. <laughs> How he beats and goes through this whole Doesn't thing. Doesn't look like he's been doing a lot of jogging lately. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm so surprised yeah. that not more people died in Predator Two. I really want to rewatch it. Like Predator Two is in LA. Yeah, everyone like,
1: says it's terrible, but I... It's I, not though. It's fine. Yeah. and I and, and it's good it's it's got a bit of that like pimps, prostitutes and perverts vibe of, like when <laughs> it, it does. W- it's a sweltering summer. A sweltering air <laughs> like you know, like And all, most of the
2: people who die are doing bad things like drugs yeah. and sex and, and yeah. things that society frowns upon everyone knowing about.
1: Yeah, drugs and sex are bad. Everyone knows that. Mm -hmm. Don't do them, kids. Exactly.
2: Just sit You're not allowed to be naked. No. Otherwise, the predator will get you. Yeah,
1: shower in a swimsuit. Exactly.
2: Yeah. I'm one of those never nudes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And not even, like, appropriate stuff for water. Always denim. (laughs) Or, like, corduroy. Preferably corduroy, because it allows the water to run in a nice, smooth pattern. Yeah, it's got rivulets. (laughs) Rivulets. (laughs) Revellets. And this... (laughs) And I mean, people think like Arnold Schwarzenegger is the main thing in Terminator. But the hero of that... Is an underdog. Is a massive underdog. It's just a dude. He's not... not, um, But though... That's the mistake. That's the lesson they fail to learn when they cast fucking Jai Courtney as... um, What the fuck's his name? John Connor. No, Jai
2: Courtney doesn't play John Connor. What's that guy's name? Jai Courtney. Uh, I don't know.
1: He's... We'll have to cut this because this is embarrassing. Is
2: it? Do we really need to know Jai Courtney's character name?
1: Oh, it's the main
2: guy. No, he he doesn't Terminator. play. He Jai Courtney isn't. In, Kyle
1: Reese. In Kyle Reese in Terminator Genisys. Ice- Ice.
2: I thought Jai Courtney was in the um
1: was in Terminator Four. No, that's Sam Worthington. Ah, yeah, yeah. You're getting... also
2: a strange, strange choice. Yeah, you're why getting... would you choose either of those two Australian guys?
1: Yeah, you're getting your <laughs> Just... square-headed, bland-looking Australian men mixed up. But who's who, who? made that decision? Cause... what? Jai Courtney or Sam Worthington? Both. Sam Worthington, I can understand. He's playing a Terminator. Jai mm. Courtney is playing someone who is characterized by being someone who's malnourished. On the on the back foot and desperate. And they just cast someone who looks like he's ready for a Marvel movie. It is infuriating to me, to this day, what they have done with the beautiful, beautiful Terminator movies. I mean, and refer to our T six episode for more of this highly entertaining when ranting.
2: Anton Yelchin played Kyle Reese. Yes. In that was that was Pre Sam Worthington's one? Yes. Selbo, That's a good casting for Kyle Reese. Uh, yeah, because he looks
1: yeah almost little too fresh
2: faced. Yeah, but he looks like a young. He could be a younger be version younger. of mm. Kyle Reese. Yeah, and that makes sense because he's a he's a a scrawny little dude. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: I loved Daniel Elgin. Yeah,
1: if they do it again, they'll probably fucking cast Nicholas Holt because they can't Hollywood can't get enough of him for some reason.
2: What do you have against
1: Nicholas Holt? Just there's just just too much uh, oversaturation. You, you know what I mean? I don't understand. I don't understand it. Okay. Are you un- on the Pattinson bandwagon at the moment? What? What? What does that mean?
2: Like, there's a quite a bit of Pattinson at the moment as well. What with Tenet and Batman. And Batman and Good Time, not bad actually. If you get a chance, watch it.
1: That would be high life. That would be funny if it was bad. It would be funny. It's good time. To- a good time. <laughs> this is my movie called Good Film. <laughs> I don't- hope it's. Don't let me have teed myself up for something a good there. Film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. Right, okay, we're changing the name. I shouldn't have done this. This, this movie is called Movie. Here's my movie.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, you make your first film and it's called My Second Film. Yeah. <laughs> I want somebody to make the first movie in a series, but just call it Part Two. Like something Part Two. And then force like people to think about what it's a sequel to.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's something like that, I think.
2: Well, like episode four, but that's not the same. What's that? Star Wars. Episode four, in New Hope. Yeah, when it just came really out, different. it was just called Star Wars, but.
1: Song two by Blur isn't the second song on the album. Pretty sure so that's I... true. So there you go. There's a song. There you go. There's a reference. Almost there.
2: Somebody should release book two first.
1: Yeah, but then also release book one. But
2: like a while down the
1: track. And call it book one. And the second book makes no sense if you haven't read the first one. (laughs) But just release it and just see what happens.
2: Yes. But wouldn't it be cool? Like so many people would watch a sequel film going like, yeah, this is great. And then look for nothing. They're searching for nothing. Mm. How did this guy get a sequel? I
1: think Carl is the best henchman ever. I'm trying to think of better, more... more. Are there any better ones in, like, Mad Max? No. Definitely not
2: Mad Max. The henchmen in Mad Max are all terrible.
1: What about Indiana Jones?
2: Nope. There are no henchmen in Indiana Jones movies. Could he you... fights one dude and that dude dies in that fight.
1: Could you call Krychek a
2: henchman? Krychek from? X-Files. I guess. Am I saying that right? Yeah. I think it's Kerchek. Kerchek? But I guess you could, but like, he dies pretty quick.
1: He comes back, though. Yeah. Doesn't he? His, I liked his character. Not a bad character. Okay. Here's the ultimate debate. Is Agent Smith a henchman?
2: Of The Matrix. Yeah. I think Agent Smith goes from being a henchman for an
1: unseen enemy yep. to being the villain. Is that the ultimate henchman? Quite a while. Quite well. Well, is it? I don't know. But even even that aside, even just, just look at the first Matrix.
2: The first Matrix movie. Because he's not call. the
1: big bad. But is he? No. He's an
2: but emissary of. In the first Matrix, is he just the antagonist?
1: He, no, he, rep- he represents the antagonist. Yes. But also the antagonist. But therefore, isn't a is character he the, in the
2: antagonist film. in the first one? And then the henchman would be the other two agents who just aren't as good as him.
1: Yeah. But maybe you know? I, th- I thought maybe he could cheat and get to the top of it by, by, by being, being a villain the Hans Gruber. <laughs> but technically a henchman. Um I think Saruman. the
2: mo- most films that just have like good henchmen are Bond films, but the henchman dies. Pretty quickly in most Bond films.
1: Yeah, and also and they're pretty unmemorable. They don't really have a relationship to Bond. No, they just always overall. have
2: a gimmick of some kind. Yeah,
1: I think the best Bond henchman was Dave Bautista, who said
2: one line in his entire film.
1: Yeah, just before he died. Just, just physical presence. Like,
2: yeah, it's Dave See, Bautista, Boba Fett. That's a henchman, and he's amazing.
1: Is he bad? But also,
2: than... he has like no lines. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I'll be, and I'll say it. I don't get it. <laughs> Okay? I don't get it. Boba Fettiverse. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are on about. That's I mean, okay. I don't want to take it away from anyone, but
0: I'm just it's an of...
1: Andre Ria situation all over again. <laughs> I don't see what anyone is getting out of it. Okay. Okay. Henchmen. See, why is this so hard to think of? What You'd think having a good henchman is something... Oh, yeah, there's a great one in Die Hard, and there's a great one in other movies. But but there's so many aspects of it that we we are somehow blocked in in our cinematic culture from some from replicating these seemingly really obvious things
2: yeah like when we watch movies you like if i go now and watch put a film on, i'm like
1: yeah that's a great henchman
2: but you kind of think about it right now i can think about Carl when we're yeah. having this discussion about other henchmen because yeah. Die Hard's always in my mind. Maybe if we watched every movie a hundred times then we'll be able to think of them. Alright, henchmen for Die Hard Two. They're all shit because there are no henchmen. There's just Yeah, your, there's just people. They just, just like this massive team of accomplished mm. people who are good at their jobs, and there's no like singular henchman who has a vendetta against him until the
1: end. Yeah.
2: So like there's no Carl in Die Hard Two.
1: What about um Tar- in- Tarantino movies? Would you call any of them henchmen and kill Bill? No, they're because all, there's, there's 99,
2: <laughs> but uh, Aren't they all one henchman. Yeah, yeah the 99, they're one henchman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um Unless you thought like any of the people she does on the lead up to Bill are like Bill's henchmen, but they're not because they're not really working for him explicitly. No, but, and moment. also
2: none of them are rem- memorable enough. Like none of them are to that film what Carl is to this film, mm. and like. That same goes for all of the other Die Hard films. None of the henchman characters are that character as as good as Carl is in this one. In Die Hard Four, the um the girl who he throws down the elevator shaft, yeah, she's accomplished, she's a badass, but she's not. There's no a, arc to a level. There's yeah, no exactly. Story she line. just turns up and dies.
1: Yeah, because not only does he have his art, uh, his not arc, but he has his storyline with uh, John McClane he then resolves Joe Powell, um Al Powell's story at the end exactly entirely <laughs> separate from that
0: oh
2: it's just what about TV so
1: well written Game of Thrones yeah but I wouldn't Not call, really you the, wouldn't call the,
2: people the, in TV series henchmen per se I
1: think you I think you could like you something could have a level of something like Game of Thrones you could like like the hound have been
2: a henchman for a while but then he grows out of that.
1: Yeah. Actually, yeah. Like, I would be forced to the point now I'd put the Hound up there, even Mm. though he stops being a henchman. He is very much a henchman at the start.
2: At the start, very much so, and a very, very good one.
1: If they had stronger alliances, then Varys and Littlefinger would be some of the best henchmen ever. Like, if it was a story with one king and they worked for them, Mm. they'd be brilliant They would be brilliant. Marvel?
2: No, all the most of the villains in Marvel films are terrible. Yeah. Crossbones maybe, because in his film in yeah. Winter Soldier, and he gets killed at the end of Winter Soldier. But still, it's yeah, you're not really attached to the character as much yeah. as you could be.
1: I liked the English one that moves stuff with his hands in Infinity War, but he's in it for like five minutes, and I was I was I was sad when he got killed because I liked him. There could have been something there. Yeah. But and I then think- he comes back with no lines in Endgame.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. he says, but, sir, our troops fire it anyway.
1: Yeah, Marvel just boils it down to one bad guy and just nameless others the yeah, whole time. Marvel
2: has a thing of, like, we are all so attached to the heroes in those films. They very rarely give us an amazing villain like Thanos. Like, and they'll give us great villains, but then they'll kill that great villain at the end of that movie. Mm. And I think that's why we're so attached to Loki is that he didn't have to go away. Like, they kept him around. Yeah. And, like, if they'd done what comic books do, we're bringing back all the villains all the time. I don't think we'd like those movies as much as we Mm. like those movies. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there is a plan to one day bring Thanos back, but I don't think it'll be as good as it could be.
1: Oh, I don't think you should.
2: You know, right? He's had his arc yeah. and he's had his finish. Him. I think heroes can come back because we care about yeah. heroes as much. But defeating the villain makes what makes part of what what we care about heroes so much about.
1: Yeah, I think you can bring you could bring any of the heroes back as long as the heroes that are left have had to manage shit without them. You in can't the meantime.
2: do. You can't do a Justice League. That's exactly where I was going. Yeah, that's the problem with Justice League. That's one of many problems with Justice League. No henchmen in Justice League.
1: No henchmen. Or any real characters. (laughs) I guess it would have been a little bit different because wasn't Zack Snyder's original plan two movies. And so maybe he was going to bring Superman back in the second one. See? That's just bringing him back at the
2: end of the first one after they failed to do everything. Yeah. Superman. Yeah. So it's like Jeffrey
0: Rush.
1: (laughs) Parts of the Caribbean. There must be a henchman there. (laughs) The bloke with one eye, he's kind of fun, and his shorter friend. Would you call? I don't know if they're henchmen though, because yeah, they're 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 not like
2: they're they're not like you don't see Barbosa and then one other guy, except for the um, uh, Jamaican guy with the scars across his forehead. Yeah, in the first one, but he dies in the first one and doesn't come back at all. Does Davy Jones have any good henchmen? No, none of them Uh, that you know about. They're also just films. In that film, Will Turner is the henchman to Jack
0: Sparrow. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay. So not only is it the best henchman, it's the best henchman by a very long way because they gave him anything to do.
2: Yeah, and everything he has to
1: do makes sense in the story and actually matters for the story. Seamless. And, yeah. And it's the the remarkably three-dimensional character Nature of the characters, yeah, I think is the other thing that c- for a lot of for a apart. lot of
2: the um for the for a lot of the terrorists in the film, you can see like you get moments where you can know that they're actually doing acting and like their characters have been thought out a little bit.
1: They're all visually distinctive.
2: When Eddie is down the bottom at the, and he's one of the last ones remaining, and he's mm. up in the vault room with Hans at the end, he's just there because. Everyone else is gone, and he's just doing his job. Like, we got to get out mm. of here. Yeah. And then he dies.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's
2: such a good movie. The music is great. Ode to Joy.
1: Yeah. I was thinking that the, like, it has distinctive music, but it doesn't have a uh, distinctive theme music for itself.
2: Well, the only the theme music that you, if I hear it all the time, is just that. As Hans falls or like whenever anything oh, yeah, dramatic actually. happens, it's just that. Actually, yeah.
1: No, I'm wrong on that What it well. is. But it, yeah, you can't hum it though.
2: But when I hear Ode to Joy, I think yeah. of Die Hard. Or Let It Snow. To or honest. Let It Snow, depending
1: yeah. on your mood you're in. Yeah.
2: If you're in a Christmas mood, all I think about is Die Hard.
1: Yeah. Do we need to talk about whether it's a Christmas movie?
2: We know it's a Christmas movie. Do we? Yep. Okay. I'll do. My- you are currently wearing a Christmas sweater.
1: I am wearing a Christmas sweater because we're doing Christmas in
2: July. I- no, we're doing a Die Hard episode.
1: I'm throwing. I'm throwing you a lot of bones. I go. <laughs> I, it's like a forty nine fifty one for me with whether it's a Christmas movie or not. Pros are it is Christmas Eve. There's sleigh bells on the soundtrack. There's a Christmas tree that falls over. He tapes the gun to his back with Christmas packing tape. He's
2: bringing a present to his children as part of the film. He's bringing a present to his children. They're having a Christmas party that he attends. He attends a Christmas party. However. People say Merry Christmas several times. People say Merry Christmas. It ends with Let It Snow.
1: Yep. The counterpoint is that that is all Christmas-themed content that appears on screen. For this to be a, and it would be very easy to do, But for this to meet what I would consider to be the true criteria for it to be a Christmas movie is Christmas needs to play into the themes of it somehow. And it's right there, but they don't actually do it. For example, you would make a bigger deal about John McClane needing to get home to see his children in time for Christmas, which which he is, I guess, trying to do, but it's not
0: on screen.
2: <laughs> I don't think I think it's Christmas by the time he gets home. I think that yeah, I think the movie goes is, enough time for it to be light. after midnight. Yeah. When, when it finished they, they should have done that. He should have looked at his <laughs> well, watch and be like Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to me, I guess. But so Argyle does that at the end. When Argyle says when um If this is McElroy, Christmas. If this is what they if this is their idea of Christmas, I gotta be here for New Year's. Yeah.
1: The second one should have been set New Year's, not Christmas.
2: No, oh, it's another Christmas movie. Yeah, is the second one more of a Christmas movie because there's more presents?
1: The, mo- the movie isn't about Christmas, and it could very easily be. No, but it do- it's it's a Christmas because, movie it's a because, just about it, it stuff a family, happening at Christmas. It is a fact. No, you can't just happen at Christmas. Is
2: Home Alone, for that fact, a Christmas movie then? Uh, She's not heading yeah. home for Christmas. She's heading home to be with her son in Home Alone. They're not trying to get home in time for Christmas. Christmas mm. plays a secondary role in Home Alone, but we all know that Home Alone is a
1: Christmas movie. Good, good question. Because it takes place at Christmas. But it's about family. Yeah, so is this. And the importance of being together at Christmas. Is it? Maybe.
2: I think that's a Christmas movie. Yeah, like I said, it's Even a though Bruce Willis has gone on record saying it's not, Bruce Willis is
1: wrong. Okay. It did come out on July twenty second. It's okay. It's a
2: Christmas movie that you can watch at any time in the year. Okay. And not feel guilty. Right. You won't have somebody walk into the room and say, Why are you watching a Christmas movie? You're watching yeah. Die Hard.
1: So in that way, that makes it that so that makes it the premiere Christmas movie because the true meaning of Christmas is to keep the spirit all the year. Exactly. And Die Hard is the one movie that lets <laughs> you keep the spirit because you can never you can always watch it. Whereas if you're there in April, chucking on bloody Muppet Christmas Carol, you're gonna you're ugh. gonna look like a loser. You're gonna be you're gonna be kicked out. <laughs> you're gonna be taken off the lease. People can't live with a psychopath like that.
2: I'm trying to think of other Christmas movies that you can watch throughout the year. Like I would watch Home Alone every now and then because that's such a good movie. But it's a Christmas movie. You watch yeah. it at Christmas. Yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. there's a couple of Christmas horror films that you can just watch when you want to watch a horror film, like Krampus. Like, well, not Krampus. Krampus is very Christmas themed. More like, like Black Christmas, which is like a sorority girl slasher movie uh-huh. with Mary Elizabeth Winstead's in that. Actually, she's also uh-huh. known for Die Hard Four Point Live Free or Die Hard.
1: Yeah, well, it, I mean, a good yeah. day to Die Hard.
0: It, is it?
2: I don't know. Too many. I think the fifth one was called A Good Day to Die fifth Hard. Fifth one's Good Day to Die Hard, yeah. Live Free or Die Hard is the
1: tagline for the fourth one, yeah. which, which was is for just... some reason
2: 4.0, and I don't know why they did that.
1: Oh, I think because internet, you know. It's when it's when people still thought the internet was like a cool thing, and because the plot is with the fire sale <laughs> is somewhere internet related, they're like, hey. Could have been great.
2: But see, that's the thing. It's They stopped being a Die Hard movie. I think the third one does well for being a Die Hard movie even though it's not like
1: it is built into the premise of Die Hard that this is not something that can keep happening (laughs) because that is what is so powerful about his character that he doesn't do this every week you can maybe sneak in the second one where they really make a big deal out of how insane it is it's happening again and then you can just about sneak in the third one where he is intentionally involved by Hans Gruber's brother yeah that is it. The fourth one,
2: he, he's there by mistake again. So it's not the third one again. The fourth one, he just happens to save bloody Justin Long's life. Yeah. In happenstance. Like, they just send yeah. him out of all people.
1: Well, I think they just... And I, I think... I think which the first, first one is is what it is. The second one, people weren't as hot on. And then everyone loved the third one more. And I think they all just went, oh, sidekicks. That's the key to this. Just give him a sidekick <laughs> and we're good. He doesn't. And that's see, not that's enough.
2: Like Al Powell is great as his sidekick in the first one, but there's no real Al in the second one. He gets him like twice.
1: Yeah. See, I wouldn't even call Al Powell a sidekick because so I think they have a a, a bromance between equals and if Al Powell had been in that situation, he would have been John McClane's sidekick. They'd have both been doing the same thing.
2: They'd be William. Yeah, well,
1: Al Powell probably does. His probably his, his twitch fibers are probably a little bit slower. Could you
2: imagine Al Powell
1: the machine Powell gun
2: in in place of John McClane, just like swap inside those the roles. building, swapped around? <laughs> oh, that'd be so great. He yeah. wouldn't fit in. Reginald in there. Val Johnson on the roof, just firing a machine gun over the heads of the hostages.
1: <laughs> Get down. In
2: full uniform, still. Yeah,
1: but no shoes. <laughs> no, he's got shoes. Somehow he just Al lost them.
2: Lose his shoes. He wouldn't take his shoes off and walk around rug, on the rug barefoot because he's never been on a plane. Yippee- he's from LA. motherfucker. mother forker.
1: No, he just. Come my other point: the f- fists with your toes part. Carpeted bathroom. So just think about that. And also, here's my question: <laughs> with, the... with... Fist with your toes. That guy's giving him advice. What is he giving him advice on how to do? How to deal
2: with air travel.
1: Deal with air travel. Yep. So John McLean is scared of flying on a plane.
2: No, I don't think it's scared. I think it's ears popping or body feeling weird. I think that's what it's supposed to be. Like you know how you feel weird after you've flown? You might not know this, but maybe some people feel weird after they've flown. Jet lag, that sort of thing.
1: You're waiting for your soul to catch up to you. Exactly. That's what the Dalai Lama says. Cool. Which one? The latest. Cool. Latest and greatest. (laughs) Dropping his next
2: album. Okay.
1: (laughs) That makes a bit more sense, but I interpret, because it goes with him, goes from him clutching the armrest, and I kind of interpreted that to mean this is a phobia. In which case, A, it's weird that he's Once telling you get him to where, you're going where you're he's landing, what the solution is.
2: No, I think it's supposed to be like jet lag or tiredness or like the fact that planes make your legs feel weird sitting down for that long. Do they?
1: Yeah. Wow. I have very resilient legs.
2: Well, when you've terribly shitty knees, my legs feel terrible after a flight. Well, like, not legs, my knees feel terrible after okay. a flight.
1: It's localized to the knees. Yeah. Well I hope he doesn't have terrible knees. They didn't even mention that during the film. That makes sense. Well he would worse. after
2: the film. He'd have yeah. terrible everything after the film. Yeah. For yeah. that second movie, he definitely goes everywhere oh. and walks around on the rug barefoot. They're the, like <laughs> they're like
1: you know, by that second film, unless it's ten years later, he's got knee braces on, he's got scars healing.
2: Do you think in the eighties a random New York police officer would have been allowed to carry his weapon on a plane?
1: I reckon. You reckon they were were pretty relaxed back then. For a random dude, you mean? Like, well, he's not a random dude. He just have to show his ID, and then you. Why would
2: you take your gun on holidays
1: to be with your family? Because, New York. When you're a police officer, you are a warrior, Isaac, and you are defending your your the only thing. He's always on. The only thing that can defend the sheep from the wolf is another wolf. The problem with you, Nicholas, is you just can't switch off. Yeah, they can't switch off because they're in these heightened situations all the time. And they're really overworked. Mm. And lots of you know roles that different people in our society could fulfill have been increasingly placed on their shoulders over the years as more and more social services have been cut. So it seems. Should we bring Black Lives Matter into this? Should we? Bring, no, should we I don't in, think we need to bring that? that in. It does put a different spin on Al Powell's backstory about shooting a child, a little bit because they're holding a fake gun. But then I think the greatest defense of that is, yes, Al Powell did that, and it sort of destroyed his life to a degree where he now so can't be a beat cop anymore. He's, he's got to be behind the desk. He at least is, is in. He at least is in no way cavalier or dismissive about the terrible thing he did. Hmm. But it is hard to interpret the fact that his redemption comes through being able to shoot people again. You know?
2: Yes, being able to draw his weapon.
1: Yeah, like getting your mojo back means being able to shoot a guy who's in a crowd of people. Like, Imagine (laughs) if that had gone a bit wrong. Yeah, he
2: hasn't pulled his gun for a long Ow, time. He for can't God's shoot.
1: sake, we told you not to do that anymore, man. <laughs> you just shot someone else.
2: Good shot, though. Like, yeah, like a good shot. Like out of focus and
1: comes into focus. Oh, like who's who's shooting the gun? Yeah, yeah, and it shows you John McClane just diving on top of Holly, so he's not. So you know it's not him. Hmm. Yeah, and that's um, one of my favorite things: the fact that John and Al know who the other one is when they come outside just by looking at each other and yeah. they don't say anything well like it's quite clear Al would know who
2: John is because John's the only dude who leaves that building covered in
1: shit and I,
2: bleeding everywhere I guess yeah so like
1: maybe but Al there's a lot know. of stuff going on you know he's got that big <laughs> jacket on so you can't really see how fucked up he is under the jacket
2: yeah I guess
1: but it's it's still great that they don't say anything. and the yeah. hugging and the <laughs> mm. Yeah, uh, it's a really sort of beautiful example of just male friendship. I know. <laughs> in this film so good. And, the, and they really support one another and share with each other, you know. <laughs> it's, it's not
2: a, like testosterone-fueled. They're actually no. like sharing doubts yeah. and fears that they have.
1: Yeah, they don't just say like la familia and do a gangster hug and then like, and then like. Punch each other. Yeah, there's no go and do slapping their wrists and showing off their biceps. Oh yeah, there's no there's no predator handshakes. <laughs> it's just people very genuinely, you know, struggling and hel- and helping each other out, which is like a very sort of like whatever the opposite of toxic masculinity is. You get well, a surprising I think it's just amount of that. Getting in touch with
2: your masculine side, you know. Just...
1: Well, not traditionally. Well,
2: not traditionally, but that's what it should be.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like
2: when we share things with each other, exactly. Yeah, sure. We rarely do a predator handshake.
1: No, most of the time there's a hug. Well, I mean, I I think we've we've got a good system where we do share each other share things with each other quite frequently, but we know we feel comfortable doing it just over a radio. <laughs> so yes. So you know, one of us goes up in a building, and the other one. Stands I would definitely outside. feel
2: comfortable if we were in a life-threatening situation and just needed a little bit of like. Venting space, <laughs> yeah, to be that venting space for each other.
1: Yeah, well, that that's how I feel comfortable. That's how I that's how I see my therapist as they're in a life venting situation. They're high up in a building, and I I, I I don't feel I don't like going in, but I do have a walkie talkie, <laughs> and we just talk that way. Yeah, 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 much better. Yeah, sort of it's, it's sort of an our bed thing. I, I just I see <laughs> therapy through the lens of Die Hard, so. <laughs> what I was getting to was it's that thing of characters do stuff that's sort of irrational or stupid or not the best thing they could do in a situation, and it's always really irritating because then you kind of sign off and you go, okay, well, they're not thinking. And people's defense of it is, well, if they did that, it wouldn't be a good movie. It wouldn't be a story if people just solved problems immediately. But this is an example of what I'm talking about, where John McClane is very... He's really rational and resourceful the whole time, Mm -hmm. but obviously cannot solve the problems because of the the chaos of the situation. And so that, again, you're enjoying watching the criminals be very competent and pretty rational, and you're watching him do his absolute best, and what... And you're like, yeah, that's what I would do because I would also be really clever and resourceful. You know, <laughs> you wouldn't think of that, but you, you, and it you makes it see, clear to you. Yeah. And it explains you what all his what all his decisions are, even though there's no one else there. With his, so him talking to himself is telling the audience what his what choices he's making, whilst also making him seem more vulnerable and will re- the audience to him more. Everything's doing three things.
2: I thought of something else as well in other films to compare Die Hard to are disaster films like Apollo 11 or yep. spacefaring films where you have your team of heroes or single heroes somewhere communicating via radio with a safe zone yeah. as our or like Houston and they're having to discuss their problems but mm. not being able to physically help each other. It's mm. just chat. So there's a, a wealth of films that are like that, that have that same relationship Mm. Where you can get to know like the intricacies of how these people care about each other, but they never see each other until the end. Yeah, and that's just another thing that Die Hard does well that mm. action movies in general don't do.
1: No, it would it would make it a little bit more difficult to have those scenes if it took six minutes for the audio to reach each one. Yeah, of the exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, there's there's a film that we can compare to Die Hard in that in that in that respect is Lockout, which is. Um, guy Pierce is a.
1: Was oh, that the prison in the prison on the moon? Future prison, yeah, yeah.
2: Where he has his radio contact in down on on Earth. So there's that relationship, and there's one guy against the bad guys' terrible henchmen because they have a leader, and then the hench, the Carl character, is a dissentant. Like he's he he sort of fights the leader upon that. So there's that struggle between those two. Mm-hmm. And overall, it's just a terrible movie. <laughs> Com- and But when you can clearly see parts of that that are inspired by Die Hard. Yeah. Because it's one guy sent in. Like Daylight, one guy sent
1: daylight. in. The, the Weirdly, the other thing I thought of, um, like on the disaster movie line of things, was Poseidon.
2: The only fine. thing with Poseidon is that it's not just a story about your one hero saving the day. It's about a group of people helping each other
1: through the disaster system. True, but I just mean sort of in terms of pacing where everything's fine, big event happens, which is sort of like similar to the taking of the hostages, Mm. and then you've got to navigate this physical environment.
2: And on on the subject of disaster films doing that and not doing that as well as Poseidon does that, Mm. because Poseidon I think is a very, very humanising disaster film is that you have your environment and they're going through it mm. is something like San Andreas where yeah. the event happens and our, then our a again. subsequent eight events happen in yeah. which the rock has to just go through and it's just the same it's the event happening and he just deals with that one and mm. then a flood he deals with that one and then a plane like yeah and it's it's a, it's a, it's technically a disaster film yeah. but it's not the same as Poseidon or yeah. in extension diamond. and Hard. you're not watching
1: San Andreas being like yeah I could survive <laughs> no San not in Andreas. the slightest <laughs> Because we can't fly a helicopter. This is what's going to go, oh God, it's not going to be terrible when this happens and everyone dies. Because
2: we can't steal mm. a rescue helicopter to go save our yeah. wife. Yeah. Not the thousands <laughs> of other people that need to be saved right now. Yeah. Literally steal this multi-million dollar asset from the government and just go save one that person. That they were
1: probably going to use for something important. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the, the disaster movie pacing makes it about. The crime. It makes it about the bad guys. They're the Mm. thing that happens. It's not about an action hero getting into an escapade. It's about him worm his way. Yeah, he's
2: he's the the action is thrust upon him. Mm. He does not seek it out.
1: Yeah. Do you think there is a flaw in this film? No. Apart apart from from the the ambulance, ambulance. yeah, so that's... But I see, they're, they're just I see continuity that as, issues. Yeah, that's just like a technical thing, like whatever. I do
2: not see any writing, anything performance-wise. No. It's all fantastic. Even Alice is fantastic. Yeah, Hans, booby. Some people don't like him. I'm like, You're supposed get to out not here. like him. He's supposed to be a jerk. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, that's what he does well. Mm. And then he gets shot and you care about that because it's just this one yeah. random dude. Yeah.
1: The only thing I can... Of, and I'm just blue sky thinking here. I'm not saying this would be good. Okay. But let's just let's just think about it. Okay, and This is a podcast where we review and rewrite movies. Um, <laughs> even though this one doesn't need rewriting. Even though this one doesn't need it. yeah. And I'm but this is just an I'm idea. We're spitballing. That. Spitballing. We have balled the spit. I'm just blue sky in here. <laughs> a something for Holly to do during the heist that's a bit more active
2: i think not having her do something i think her having to hide stuff instead so like she's not involved with john's story at all that needs to stay that way she can't be part of of the police action in any way like she can't be in contact with the outside world but have something that she keeps from the henchman for a little while, where she's putting her life at risk, yeah, to protect something so because they show be her
1: sort of becoming the, taking on a leadership role with the hostages after Takagi after is gets killed, killed, yeah, and so they show her doing that and talking to Hans, yeah. which is great, but could they have given her something to do? Well, I think. See, I already think maybe the that's only thing they could do is maybe just it.
2: add it'd just be even if it's just adding one scene mm-hmm. of her being more of a leadership role after they're asking for the bathroom and mm-hmm. he says who put you in charge? Well you did when you murdered my boss yeah um one scene after that to show her just like calming mm-hmm. some people down or like hiding someone if something's happened that's yeah. bad.
1: Maybe like there's a couple of hotheads there who want to take them on and she has to talk them out of it. Something like that. Just like again, just being the most rational person in the room. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like she does it it I think it shows quite a lot of her doing that with talking to um Alice before he goes and does his interview thing. Yeah. He's like, What are you doing as he takes (laughs) his bloody cocaine and stuff?
1: Yeah. I love that he's on cocaine the whole time. (laughs) Imagine From the start. Yeah. (laughs) Like And I mean and I mean you are playing with fire, because imagine running out of cocaine halfway through a hostage situation. You've got a rough road in the second half of that hostage situation, my friend. Are you okay? There's nothing. Wrong. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. Can we wrap this up soon?
2: Could i got sh- to go home. I left something at home. I left something at home. Can I, I get so- in my office? Can <laughs> I get trying. in my office, please?
1: All I'm saying There's is... something in my desk. And if I- you're thinking <laughs> about killing one of the hostages, I'm not that bothered at this point. <laughs> because it is going to go on for another six hours. Like, seriously. just Shoot somebody. I want to I leave. I wanna- <laughs> just run. Just try and run out. Just i gotta run go, I got to go. I, gotta- I can't stay
2: here. I-, <laughs> I left something in the
1: car. Yeah. I'm 280s. I'm 280s to be here. <laughs> I've embodied too much of the... I've ingested too much of the 80s.
2: I had a date tonight.
1: Let me go. I've got to go home to my family for Christmas. This is a Christmas <laughs> movie.
2: Yeah. See, Ellis says Christmas a few times as well.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying people don't say Christmas.
2: <laughs> he hits on it because it's the season where you yeah. bang a colleague, apparently.
1: It's <laughs> <Tis> the season <laughs> when you bang a colleague.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, They're two single people. She got a new watch.
1: It's a Rolex. <laughs> yeah. I cannot, cannot imagine wearing a Rolex. I can't imagine wanting to wear a Rolex. No. Like, if someone gave me one, like, you just
0: feel... If you so get it scratched, you are like,
1: oh Yeah, you're just wearing a
2: car on your wrist, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Does the Rolex have, like, a compass in it
1: and a calculator? I mean, it was the 80s. Yeah. Or does it, yeah. Well, I would, I would want like holograms to come out of it. (gasps) I'd want, that'd be cool. I want to press a button and an ambulance comes out of it that I can escape in. Yeah. Uh, I'd I'd want, I'd want a lot. No, a
2: truck comes out that there is an ambulance hidden somewhere within.
1: Yes. But which I could also get 13 Germans in.
2: (laughs) Sorry. Like 12 Germans and a couple of Americans.
1: Imagine it. You couldn't have (laughs) Arnie in it because then he sounds the same. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, Is he the bad guy? At the heart of this movie is the relationship between John and Holly. And I really like how skillfully it just plays out. The very sort of complex relationship they have Mm -hmm. where they're not separated, but they're not really together. They have different ideas of why they're not together or to what degree they're not together. You watch John just fuck up the situation when they were almost like on a on a level keel, and then you watch him um, castigate himself for it afterwards. So yeah, he's like good work. Yeah, yeah, and it, I th- I, th- I think it does a good job of having her be realizing how much she loves him, how much she wants to still be with him, and being Throughout sha- the film. being shaken by all of the hardship he's gone through that night when like when she sees him at the end. Without it being um, him, him proving to her that she was wrong and actually he's the hero, and that she should just come back to him. Yeah, no it 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 doesn't
2: it doesn't show that she feels that. It just shows that this is the guy that I love. Yeah, and he's been through a lot tonight, and I still care about him.
1: Yeah, because there's there's the the shallow version of it where, you know, she's tried to. Well, she's been independent. She's been pursuing her own career. She's she's differentiated herself from him. Yeah. Um, but now he's such a bloody strong, amazing hero. There's no way I can resist his incredibly powerful masculine charms. And so I'm going to go back to him. It doesn't come across like that. It doesn't come across yeah. like that. And I think it's because it shows it shows you both side it kind of shows you both perspectives you kind of can agree with both of them to a degree at the start definitely definitely it shows you that she's already that they're both conflicted about it they're both kind of on the fence and she's already sort of wanting to try to reunite with him to to a degree and she doesn't see him do anything, do any of the heroic. She's not watching a live stream of him do heroic stuff the whole time. <laughs> she just sees him have been destroyed at the she end She just of it. sees
2: parts of like, she knows that he's still there mm. by seeing reactions of other people. And she's like, okay, he's still yeah. doing his, like, yeah. he's still protecting me.
1: Meanwhile, he is also shown to have no sense that through, through what he's doing, he'll be able to win her back. He's just trying to survive and trying to help the hostages survive and has to really confront the fact that he might die and not get to apologize for everything he's done to her. I love that
2: speech to Al.
1: Yeah, incredibly emotional and shows a lot of humility on his part. Which mm. I guess is kind of his growth in the film. But at the beginning he's he's defensive, he's wisecracking, he's kinda of lashing out at everyone around him, and he gets beaten down so much that he sort of decides to admit how how and when he's been in the wrong and just and sort of and sort of give up on he has to sort of let go of the hope of getting out of the situation in order to keep fighting for it. Mm. So that makes it not feel like He's a triumphant hero who the, just makes the woman sort of wilt in front of him because he's so <laughs> strong and amazing. Yeah. A, it, everything and so, is done so well. And so those are like really skillful just drama elements coming through your action movie as well. I think that's the reason why it connects with people so much as well. That it's you so just good. the In a way, all the characters have a very simple journey. It's like the structure of the arc is simple, primary colors, but the way it's expressed is at times like surprisingly subtle and just fluent.
2: Yeah, there's very few underlying things that you need to read into. Everything is there for you to see. Yeah, they
1: don't like treat you like an idiot. And it's served up with just all these, all these sides and desserts of just fun and action and and sort of a sort of propulsive adrenaline fueled what's another word for action thrills thrills and spills yeah they'll just make it the perfect meal and it is delicious that's the that's why it's hard to say what's so good about die hard is that it's kind of so obvious it's kind of unanalyzable <laughs> it's very hard to It's like it's just it's just like an aluminium sphere, and you can't break it apart. There's you can't get any purchase on it because it's it's so perfect. There's no there's no you can't get any grip in order to open it up and see how it works. It's just through (laughs) complete contingency and chance. Yeah, we made this one unassailable thing.
2: Yeah, there's a there's a there is. Few films that have that. Where I can look at them and not like. Like, and not, not like something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, films like Jaws are a product of their time. And Jaws is an amazing film. And there are very few flaws with Jaws. But there are flaws in the fact that the monster looks crap. (laughs) <laughs> but from its time, that's so good. Yeah. And it just all comes together to make an amazing film. And it changes so much from the book that Jaws was based upon. Yeah. To make the characters be able to, you, you care about all of them. And it's fantastic. And you can't pick at that film. But then if you you have other films where you can just rip them apart quite easily, like the prequel trilogy or. Yeah.
1: You can nitpick.
2: You can nitpick things. But
1: films like. Die Hard. This is an unnitpickable film, exactly. Because of the three or four, or should we say, nitpicks you can find, that you don't care about. Like you're <laughs> not wind, in the slightest. The wind goes out of your sails immediately because it's just so like well-meaning.
2: Um, he throws a body out of the window. That's yeah. a pretty good throw.
1: That's that's some heft. My nitpick with that is it was so close to killing Al Powell. Like if, it, <laughs> if it had landed on the if roof If it had wing suited <laughs> two feet further forward, <laughs> he just killed him. Yeah. Like but just it would throw get the him, cops there. But just throw him on the concrete. I like
2: how much you get to dislike um deputy chief.
1: I've never gotten um, to any of that stuff. Yeah.
2: Dwayne T. Robinson. Yeah. You get to dislike him because he's just such a, a
1: douche. Is he is it aren't the FBI guys Robinson? No, the they're Johnson's. FBI guys
2: are both Johnston. Johnson. 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 I'm Agent Johnson. This is special Agent Johnson. No relation. I love the no relation. I also love the line, it's like Saigon it's like Saigon. Yeah. And the other guys I was in junior high. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's just awesome.
1: Yeah. Um
2: <laughs> so good. There's so much. It appears when... the police
1: have themselves an RV. <laughs> When one of the Johnsons is saying, um, we've we've cut the power, we'll let them sweat for a little while, then we give them helicopters. The fact that he's eating a cracker (laughs) while he says that, I think that's great. They find ways to put all these little cherries on the top of each thing that gives it so much character and life. It's like every actor is Daniel Craig. You ask for miracles, I give you the FBI. It's... So great. Yeah. Like, we haven't really talked about Alan Rickman. Oh, did you know that when he got dropped from the top, he didn't know he was going to get dropped? And so they said we're going to drop him on three on this 40-foot drop where they dropped him on one, and that's why he looked so surprised. We haven't even talked about Alan Rickman. <laughs> and, they, again, there isn't really anything left to say there. There's not. Everybody knows that Alan Rickman that's another one of is those. one of the
2: best movie villains of all
1: time. Yeah. And a part of it is you he's, he's so cool. And kind of fun to spend time with. Mm.
2: You, when, like, picturing the first time you watch it, if you're not a child, Mm. if you didn't grow up watching Die Hard.
1: Do you remember the first time you watched it? I
2: do not, because I grew up watching Die Hard. Yeah. I would love to forget Die Hard so I can watch it again. Yeah, yeah. There are so many things I'd love love to forget that I can watch again.
1: Yeah, I think they think it'll be about relationships, but if they ever develop that Sunshine of the Spotless Mind equipment... Everyone's it's just, gonna just going to be about movies. Die Hard again, please. <laughs> I'd like to watch Lord of the Rings for the first time, please. Just, just the Die Hard one again. <laughs> and could I forget most of the sequels exist at all? And then don't remind me afterwards.
2: I just want to know about one, and then somebody just lets me know about number three. Mm. Thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't remember what... It was just always... It was just like the water you swam in, Die Hard. It's just there. As my memories yeah. come online, When the memory of the entirety of Die Hard is already there. When we
2: were children... Die Hard with a Vengeance was on TV all of the
1: time. Yeah, it was pretty new, wasn't it? Yeah.
2: Um, And that's the movie that got played more than the others. Mm -hmm. Um, When I started loving films so much, I realized Die Hard was the best film ever made. And that's a film I can literally watch any day. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll never get sick of it.
1: I watched it the other night. It was great. It is. I'd sat such down a good and watched movie. Die Hard for a long time. <laughs> I am, unironically, experiencing so much pleasure in my exhausted, <laughs> jaded, you know, squelched, dry brain. <laughs> this is still managing to do it.
2: It's it's home. Yeah. Die Hard feels like home. There are a few comedy films from the 90s and things that remind you of your childhood. And, like, there's films that are nostalgic, Mm. but Die Hard isn't nostalgic. It just makes you feel like home. You can watch Die Hard and you're like, yes, Mm. feel safe. This is a good movie.
1: Yeah. The same kind of safety you get from watching the sort of sitcoms. Yes. Yes. Where, it's from
2: re-watching Scrubs or Friends.
1: Yeah, like you're going to when you sit down and watch a bunch of friends, you're going to hang out at the at Central Park. <laughs> exactly. It's a place in your mind that you get to go to, you know. Mm. And yeah, Dine Hard is this place where we get to go back to that building and <laughs> go go through that night over and over again. And because and I think because it's so Obvious, what is going on and what's and what's good about it? It becomes, it's almost archetypal. Like it becomes like a parable or a fairy tale almost. Oh my god! Where,
2: Imagine if this becomes the fable that we tell, this is the story of John McClane. Yeah,
1: sort like Reign of Fire style, where we're just <laughs> reenacting it in the future, because all all the thirty year old survivors know every line of this one. It's the one movie we can remember. How good was Rain of Fire? We were like, what happened in Schindler's List? Well, it, It's hard to remember now. And to be honest, we well, can't. You of tell hard. those
2: stories, and it's literally like one sentence. So there was this guy, and he saved a whole lot of people.
1: Yeah. What, what was going on with those people? Oh, they were big. Okay. Killed. Well, there was this other guy. You know what? That's a lot to get into right now. This is meant to be a bedtime story. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> a long, long time ago. All I can remember is all of Die Hard and all of Hotel Rwanda. So I know which one I'm <laughs> doing tonight. Because I don't trust myself with the other one. It's whitewashing for me to do it anyway.
2: I could probably recite quite a few films like they do in Rain of Fire Mm -hmm. as their bedtime stories. Yeah. And like any film that you can't recite, you can make up little bits. Like, yeah, that's how they get to the end. I could
1: do a lot of Terminators.
2: Terminators. Most of the Fast and Furious films could definitely be done quite easily. See, but see, films like Alien and Jaws and like Hot Fuzz and
1: like yeah, the big ones, the big names, exactly. Yeah, Bad uh, Boys too. Films that I have watched
2: countless amounts of times. Yeah, I can probably recite every scene and the movements of the mm. stories.
1: Yeah, but I think also there's the watching it countless times. But if it's tapping into something that sort of fundam- that's something there's something sort of there's the fundamental sort of. Mi- meaningfulness units of stories if they've Mm -hmm. got those in there then it lodges within you Mm -hmm. and you can recreate what was what was what was so good about it bring it into the present day though going on a little bit from the discussion of everyone said this was what action movies were now i think we've really left this behind nothing now is pretending to be die hard at the moment no now it's obviously well Marvel which is the well, furthest from it. Actually I don't I wouldn't call Marvel movies action movies though. I think
2: superhero no. movies have made their own genre now.
1: That's that's a good point. Um and that annoys me like in online discussions we're like what's the best action movie and they're like Winter Soldier. Like, no. Like the it's best a good movie. Yeah. People will be like, what's the best action movie? And someone will say, Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> I'm like, well, you don't know that's anything not, about anything.
0: That's a different not genre be, as well.
1: Not to be the actually guy, <laughs> but I feel like there are sort of basic definitions we work with. But just in terms of what, it, be, be, I think, it hasn't kicked off a genre that is very alive right now. Because, yeah, there's superhero.
2: Well, I don't think action movies are very alive right now. I no. think the biggest market for action movies are B-grade films or films like that are made direct for DVD or Netflix.
1: I feel like the, existent, the action movies that do exist are very shaped by Marvel, where the quote-unquote humans in it are basically not. So Fast and Furious or John Wick. Mm. Your heroes are unkillable. Did you see
2: 21 Bridges?
1: Uh, no. With
2: Chadwick Bozeman. I think that's quite a good um, mm. route to take because it's just a cop and it's a cop drama yeah. about corrupt police officers. And there mm. are gunfights and like action sequences in the film, but it's handled in a way that it's not over the top action. Like there's no baby driver, massive. Awesome car chase scenes. It's just matter of fact cop drama. Yeah. With action. Yeah. I think but that's again, where action, where this type of action movie evolved to. Mm. And nothing's massively over the top.
1: Yeah. Again, they're kind of sunk without trace. Like, yeah, it did. Like, no one's ever more about that movie. Deserve more. It's pretty good. Pretty the, good.
2: You see the twist coming, though, which sucks.
1: Oh, okay. There's a 22nd bridge, there's tunnels
2: there are tunnels. But they're <laughs> have, not, I, have they're, I got they're it. not mentioned in the have movie. I it? <laughs> the,
1: what? Then why is the film we're in called Twin Long Bridge? Why do we set ourselves up for this? <laughs> um wow, well, that was easy. Um, That's not the twist. <laughs> oh, okay. Is he actually Black Panther and it's a sidequel? No. Oh. It's a
2: cop drama. Yeah. No. Think of the twist.
1: He's not a cop.
2: No. The oh, twist with every cop, a, drama, action film is that one of the cops is corrupt. Yeah. That's is it one how of it goes. The, it's one, one you of, didn't suspect at the start.
1: Is it one of the cops that's in the position of seniority over him and has been kind of holding him back the whole time whilst also seeming sort of earnest and well-meaning and like they're really trying and maybe with some kind of father figure to Chadwick Boseman?
2: One of those things, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, if you say 20 things. <laughs> <laughs> one of them's bound to be Right. The other yeah. one that comes to mind is uh, Extraction. Extraction. Chris Hemsworth, which is an action movie. It is an action movie. That is an action movie. Um, he's still pretty unkillable. How good is that one shot? But sequence? he does get really hurt in it. But again, but again, just sort of on Netflix. Yeah. We're not like no one's that bothered about it. They're, yeah, we're not. We're not making them at the moment. We're not making
2: Die Hard's at the moment.
1: No. And, and I don't think we, we ever did I make that many. I think
2: Extraction is more along the lines of um, Commando, but n- tried to make believable. Like where Commando is, he just walks really slowly and shoots 50 people who are also shooting yeah. at him. Extraction has him do proper movements of yeah. uh, ta- tactical like warfare and shoot 50 people while he gets yeah. shot at. So it's like that's down that road of action film more than Die yeah. Hard where he's like... A, like thrust into the situation that he's yeah. and struggling it's a, to handle.
1: It's a, it, yeah, but it is a sort of uh, tortured, emotionally vulnerable he is hero who does get hurt. Good. Extraction was good though. Extraction was good. Mm. It's kind of it's kind of straddling a diehard style and a John Wick style. Yes. Extraction is like
2: what Taken could have been. You know. Yeah. Like Taken If it was directed by somebody who didn't make 50 cuts every time Liam Neeson tries to do a movement. Ten shots to get over a fence. Just to make it look cool. Um, If Taken was Chris Hemsworth. Or just like a real able-bodied Liam Neeson. Mm. Then it becomes on the level of Die Hard or John Wick. You know. Did Taken inspire something like John Wick where it's just this one guy who's better than everybody else at something?
1: Well, I mean, that's a very old know, archetype.
2: But that saddens me. Could have been great. I feel like take, Like when we first watched Taken, it was fantastic. And when there were three of them, you were like, ah, oh.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: But still with John Wick movies, as over the top as it is, I will still watch John Wick movies because they're so well done.
1: Well, I, I, I'm fine with John Wick. I love those movies. Mm. They're doing what they're doing. Yeah. It's... It's, just it's a noticeable. different it's a comic
2: book movie. It but, essentially is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's in its own heightened, insane world. Yeah. That it Can you think of the villains in John Wick? Um Yeah, there's it's Alfie Allen. In the first one. That other Russian guy who I yep. forget. He's the dad. Um uh what's his name? Consonant consumer? common (laughs) common is a henchman common is a pretty good henchman hey hey we might hey
2: but he's not as good he's He's, not as good he's nowhere near as good as carl but But he's not a bad henchman he has
1: a relationship to john wick
2: and i like that their fight scene ends with john just leaving yeah that's yeah
1: cool um but that's a john wick
2: trope though that the fight scene ends and john just moves on to the next bit john wick movies are like bruce lee movies like enter the dragon where Bruce Lee has a fight scene, moves on to the next fight scene. Or like the raid, where it's yeah. fight scene, fight scene, fight scene, fight scene.
1: There's no more fighting here to do? Well, then I'm out of here. I've
2: got other people's to fight. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like- I guess what, I'm, what I am what I'm, feel like I'm saying overall is the last 30 years seems to be a slowly forgetting all the lessons of Die Hard. <laughs> Yeah. Anything we get, the closest thing, you know, the...
2: The closest things you get are still not close
1: enough. I don't feel like anyone who's maybe trying to do a Die Hard is doing it in a cartoonishly wrong way. Yeah. The people who have been in this world have really... I feel like when they are continuing to make these movies, they've still been like um, your Jean-Claude Van Damme style because it's just people like Jason Statham now. But is that... Is that a problem
2: with this, with like the culture, like, because everyone keeps paying for our Fast and the Furiouses and our Pirates of the Caribbean, and they just want over the top set pieces where these characters that they can sort of care about, yeah, are not fleshed out enough. Like you, like there's no interpersonal, like real tight knit drama. It's just you have this huge. Flowing story where you get to see these people fight in places that people wouldn't normally fight in.
1: It's probably been just the with the development of CGI.
2: Yeah, but see, with that you could still you could use it to make your really personal action hero dramas like Die Hard just take place in places that you couldn't have done this before.
1: Yeah, or or just am- amplify and sharpen up. What's what's going on in the movie, sort of David yeah. Fincher style, where he's doing all sorts of weird little bits of CGI that you would never even that even you don't realize.
2: N- need to notice. Yeah, but I yeah, think I think
1: that's that that's the sadness I feel looking back at this. That the narrative is meant to be diehard made action movies good, but I don't think in in a way it it didn't. All of the limitations they had before, they've. I think there are certain ways have.
2: where you can see character points be a major part of films and things like Elysium or District 9 even where it's all of this stuff happens yeah. but it's a very personal film so that I think there are movies where you can have that but they're mm. still not on the yeah. level of smallness that Die Hard feels
1: yeah didn't and even within like yeah like John John McTiernan the director mm. he did a couple of good films after this then just went off a cliff with it physically well he, he was in prison for a bit but i mean <laughs> i don't know i guess you know if you're Michelangelo, you do the sistine chapel you, you're not doing a chapel a week i think that
2: what's like um
1: anything we do that's great is it's we, we can't just reproduce it endlessly that's not in any way to compare the Marvel Cinematic Universe to the Sistine Chapel, but <laughs> that's been what's kind of amazing about it is that they've been pretty good over and over. They've been able to constantly at that same formula, level, yeah. yeah. Which isn't a for- it's a formula of writing, but also production that they were able to churn out these some you know, like relatively bland but no terrible movies at such a high pace, whereas. <sighs>
0: And I like
2: that there really isn't a formula in those films. Like it's not just one hero and one sidekick versus a villain.
1: I don't know. You know, they're pretty fun. Form- I think they're, they're they, pretty fun they, in terms they, of pacing and. In like terms you've of got pacing, to have, a, have I guess. an action sequence every twenty minutes, and
2: <laughs> but some of them don't have that. Like Thor Ragnarok doesn't have that. It has a fight scene at the start, and then he fights the Hulk, and then yeah, they leave.
1: Sure. I think I think you're <laughs> so I think good. you're reaching to say the Marvel movies aren't formulaic
2: to a to a point they would be but I like I like the variety that they still are able to give
1: the the amount of variety they're able to create within strict parameters <laughs> is probably one of the reasons why they succeed
2: I'm glad they're successful we And can't, I'm also quite glad that DC is less successful just to have that juxtaposition. You're like, ha, you tried.
1: Well, just so they learn their lesson yeah. and try better.
2: Maybe they will. It's proper raining outside.
1: It is proper raining, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's going to come through on the recording. We can't make great art all the time, Isaac. Why not? It is rare that, that? the... Yeah, go on then. Shut the window. It'll probably help. Also, the rain's probably coming through the window. It is rare that the muse of cinema chooses to speak through the potentially hundreds of people at once that it must in order to create truly great cinema. And no one would have expected it to do it for something called Die Hard... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> starring, at the time, Chandler Bing... TV's Bruce Willis. ...and some <laughs> dweeb from the London's West End. Yeah. But it did. We can't understand... I don't think how, we need to. ...how those almost cosmic forces work.
2: It's like a religion kind of thing. If it doesn't make sense. That's okay. We can still believe in it. Yeah, well... Yeah. I believe in Die
1: Hard. Yeah. Yeah, because you're not given a reason to obviously not believe in it before exactly. the film even ends. <laughs> We've been given reasons not to believe in it in recent years, but that's the, but that's that's we. I don't believe in the franchise. I'll say that. <laughs> but maybe they should make just one more, just so they can call it Old Habits Die Hard.
2: That's a good name.
1: Purely for that reason, it's a good name. I didn't come up with it, but.
2: They've greenlit a a sixth, haven't they?
1: Um, Fox had greenlit it and then Disney has bought them and I'm pretty sure they've shelved it. Okay. Like, thank Christ. Yeah. Um,
2: I read somewhere that it was supposed to be a prequel still starring Bruce Willis. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which I believe in the past I've called the worst of both worlds. Yep. Yeah.
2: You can do your Die Hard 6 if you want, but it needs to be Die Hard. But he's Bruce Willis now.
1: Yeah. Alternate, what I would like to see, do action movies like this and just set them in the past. Mm. Well, see, past. that's
2: what I'm very excited about the Kingsman, the next Kingsman movie. Yeah, I guess that's kind of what I'm about. Is they're doing an over-the-top action film like Kingsman, which was mm. fantastic, Yeah, but set in World War One. Yeah, period like
1: action movies. Awesome.
2: Is that classified as a war movie or an action movie? Definitely action. Okay. Well, yeah. Because you wouldn't classify it as a war movie. Well, unless
1: what he's doing the whole time is fighting in a war, then. Yeah. But then... Wonder Woman's not a war
2: movie. Wonder Woman isn't a war movie. I yeah. think we did it. We talked about Die Hard for a I think we talked about time. Die Hard. And everyone still knows that it's the best movie I've made.
1: In my opinion. In, thank you. Which I know that was hard for you to say. It's and, correct. And I appreciate you saying that.
2: There are no better
1: films. It's definitely up there. Is it if in your- anyone who's listened to all of this, if you hate Die Hard... <laughs>
2: let us know. Let
1: you. us know. Um, so that we can swear at you. Well, I won't. I won't swear because okay. I'm I a civilized will, gentleman.
2: I will swear under my breath. But Isaac. Isaac- and I'll, I'll cry about it in the car ride home after right. I find out what you've
1: said. Right. But, yeah, you know, overall, I think any, ta- any opportunity Isaac gets to express his rage, I think, is healthy overall. <laughs> so um, if you'd like to provoke that, please get in touch and pretend you don't like Die Hard. But don't let on that you're faking it. If you- you're obviously faking it. Oh, but don't. Say, like, my my dad died in a Die Hard or something. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, my dog got ran over on the set or something like that. Don't say those ones specifically because then he'll know, but come up with something. You, I trust you guys. Um, you can get in touch with us. You can follow the show. We're on Twitter. Oh, where? At uh, Exceptional Pod, and also on the Instagram at ExceptionalThieves. Or you can send us an email at ExceptionalThieves at gmail.com. If you have enjoyed this and would like to get all of our bonus episodes that are available on Patreon – that is five dollars a month. I'm probably gonna put that down, to be honest. Probs. Should we make it three? Five. We should make it quite a bit less than five, I think. Yeah, if I make it free, it kind of makes it pointless. Not free. I mean I mean I'll tell I'll tell you how to hack it. You just sign up once and like you can listen to all the episodes and then stop. You don't have to keep Doing it month after month, you know what I yeah. mean? because yeah, that would be stupid. Yeah. Or do you... it or don't do it now, do it in six months and you'll get even more bang for your buck. Anyway, um patreon.com forward slash exceptional thieves. <gasps> I'm on Twitter at s underscore Brookfield and Instagram at Samuel Brookfield. What about you?
2: I'm on Instagram. Yep. At Isaac Tibbs, two A's two B's. Yep. But just like the Isaac Tibbs bit, and like not the
1: other bit. Don't say two ways, two bees, and don't say this stuff that we're saying now. Yeah, that's not a part. of this it.
2: This is a very long ad. It'd be too long. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Do you want my band? Do you want
1: to talk about, you about like the, me
2: to talk about the band? Why not? Well, we did write something that's quite on on topic this evening. Oh, well,
1: we actually, we should definitely talk about the band because that's how we're gonna that's how we're gonna sign off the episode. The
2: episode. Okay. Cool. Well, look forward to the next thirty seconds when you get to hear. White people rapping about the best movie ever made. Yeah, Die
1: Hard. Yeah, we're yeah, we've had enough of Hamilton. We're annoyed <laughs> of. We're in, time to time for us to reclaim <laughs> <laughs> rapping, uh, but yeah, no Isaac band did a rap about Die Hard. So stay tuned for that at the end. Um, oh, what are they called? My band. Yeah, the Terms and Conditions.
2: We can be found on Instagram at the Terms and Conditions Band. And can people buy those T-shirts? No. Oh, okay. Just you just made the one. I made two. One for me and one for Lachlan. It's our uniform when we play. (laughs) Okay. They've been worn on stage
1: twice. (laughs) Well, can people buy one of those ones? Like you should. I mean, like yeah, I guess.
2: But I like my shirt.
1: Auction it off for charity. Could do.
2: In like three years,
1: once our smash hits have gone platinum. Once you get massive on TikTok. Exactly. Not on tour because that's never happening again. Um <laughs> that's all there is to say for this one. Um after this we will be going back to our Daniel Craig a thon Craig's list Called Craigslist, and we will we are getting close to the present day. The next movie we're doing came out in two thousand and five. Oof. Pretty exciting stuff.
2: Man, that's only 15 years ago. It's only
1: 15 years that's ago. That's only
2: 15 years ago. There's
1: only several films to go before James Bond.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's quite possible we saw some of these movies at the cinema. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. Imagine it. Not we'll get to a point where we saw one of these films at the cinema and it's going to blow my mind.
1: It's going to be a real different vibe to the last few weeks.
2: Yes, it is. Anyway. Yeah. Thanks for listening to talk talk about Die Hard. Yeah, I'm glad you indulged us. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry that we strayed from um, from the norm and didn't go through the plot, but I think we've just assumed that everybody has seen Die Hard.
0: The plot or anyone who
2: listens to this will seen Die Hard because I've met people who've not
1: seen Die Hard. Yeah. I don't talk to them anymore. No, you've cut but, them out of your life. But like someone they do in exist. recovery cutting out dealers, You're exactly. Just, they're not good for you. They're toxic no. people. They are toxic people. <laughs> wow, that would really have struck a nerve. <laughs> Actually, in all
2: seriousness, they are horrible people. If you meet someone who hasn't seen Die Hard, but they're willing to see Die Hard, help them. Help, help, help that poor person. <laughs> you can fix that person. Very I,
1: simply, with two hours and 20 minutes of your life. If I watch Die Hard <laughs> with someone who hasn't seen it before, I think I'd just look at their face the whole time and just try to feel it. Like, try to... You know, see, you when can... I've
2: introduced Die Hard to people, though, sometimes I get saddened by the fact that a phone will come out or conversations oh. will be attempted to be had during the film. Isn't
1: that the worst when someone doesn't understand they're watching one of the holy texts? Something and they some, think it's just I a don't film.
2: understand asking questions during films. Oh, mate. If you don't know something, you're not supposed to know it yeah. yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Who is that? Well,. I, You're gonna find if out. The film hasn't told you that. That means so... patience, <laughs> patience. Yeah, but then it turns you into that guy. Well, I know, and who's... I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that guy either. I just
2: don't like talking when we're watching Die Hard or other films that are important.
1: <laughs> you sound fun. You sound really fun at the moment. Uh, if, uh, if the television's on, then that's what we're doing. And so, could you please just be quiet and draw the curtains?
2: That is one thing that I nitpick. Like that is that that grinds my gears. People ask questions during films. If you don't know yet, wait. Yeah, okay. If you have questions, ask them afterwards. Yeah. Wait until the
1: end. Questions is like, what what's gonna happen? (laughs) Yeah. That's the conceit of a story (laughs) that we don't know. (laughs) I'm also enjoying wondering what's
2: going to happen. I also enjoy questions during movies that I've not seen yet. When Uh, we're both sitting there watching
1: them for the first time? Now I'm feeling self-conscious because I ask you questions sometimes when we're watching a film. Sometimes, but very rarely, Sam. Okay. Very rarely do you do that. Okay. But
2: also you leave sometimes when we watch movies. That's
1: normally why I'm asking a question. Yeah. Just having a little... But normally if two people are watching a
2: film together... Isaac. Yes,
1: Sam. Who are we talking about? Several people is it in our lives? Is yeah. it several?
2: It is actually. several. Is it one
1: or two in particular? <laughs> is there one that maybe you watch lots of films with? That it's not you, up? Sam. No, no, I'm not talking about me. It's not you. No, I know it's not me. It's not. You. I could. I've never annoyed anyone this much. That's a lie. Yeah, I annoy people a lot. Like John McClane. Yeah, that's what I tell myself when people are absolutely infuriated by my you're, presence. You're I'm doing like, the, <laughs> You're pulling a John. Uh, pulling a Johnny.
2: You're Only whipping
1: and Johnny. Out. Another yet another similarity <laughs> between me and Johnny Mac.
2: Oh, such a good
1: movie.
2: Are we finished now?
1: I think. I think we're finished. There's. Yeah. I mean, it's we sad. could just
2: rattle off a whole bunch of lines from the
1: film. It's sad that you can't go. What's back? the
2: first line of the movie?
1: Something about planes, huh?
2: Don't. Um,
1: don't like flying or something?
2: Don't travel much. Is something along those lines. Yeah. And then he doesn't actually reply to it at all. Mm. And he goes, you want to know the secret day of travel? Yeah, when you get me going. Yeah. How many people don't die? How many of the of the um, um terrorists do not die in the film?
1: It's only Theo. He Theo doesn't m- die. Neither out.
2: does the kid whose name is... um, Who runs out and... Just gets punched by John McClane at the end. Uh at the in the vault, there are oh, Eddie in the final confrontation. There's Eddie and Hans in oh, the vault because he, he can't shoot. And him. there's that kid who runs out before them. John McClane knocks him out. Oh. I know his name. It's in the rap song. Okay. I say all of their names. In oh, the rap okay. Song. <laughs> well,
1: we should stop holding people back from that. You know what it is? It's not only. What's sad about it is, even if we hadn't seen Die Hard now and watched it now, we wouldn't get quite what we have with it, because there's movies that you watch as a child, and because it it's still it would still look dated. Like it kind of doesn't look dated when like you've always seen so, it. Like
2: when you watch a, like a movie from the eighties that you've never seen before, you're it feels dated
1: by how dated it is. But it doesn't feel dated when you watch I it. I don't in think the 90s. Die Hard
2: looks as dated as other films, though. No, it doesn't. But I think it's because it's so indoors all the time, and yeah. at nighttime, and there's no like daytime shots, and you don't just see like the smog of LA and old LA.
1: But there's also just the way things affect you when you're a child. Mm. Like you had so much fresh brain there waiting to be articulated around certain ideas or concepts or feelings. And then that's how something like Die Hard comes in and just sets up shop and is there forever. Another- and we don't have that that blank slate left anymore. Dragon Hans's beard is real? Uh, no, I think they had to CGI it on. It's, nice. a, it's a reverse Superman. Nice. I <laughs> reverse.
2: Yuck. Thanks for listening, everybody.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone, and Merry Christmas. God bless us, everyone. yippee motherfucker. Twenty
2: eighteen. Terms and conditions. Precuvated. I was running late, I had to get the last plane, but this is gonna be great Ain't seen my kids in months, sometimes that's how it goes When you get where you're going, you're some fish with your toes Our guy in the limo was a pretty cool dude, though his music was weird, I didn't wanna be rude We pulled up a knack and told me, I opened the door And I go up to the party on the 30th floor lots of people around and some guy tries to flirt and I met my wife's boss and Harry Ellis the jerk and now the sunset looks great but Holly looks greater she's got a new watch but I'll check it out later now we had a little chat and I handled it fine I only raised my voice once and all the problems are mine and Holly's doing a speech and I am feeling the blue and then some gunshots ring out and I forget my shoe.
1: it's a good way to die Christmas time it's a hard way to die Christmas time
2: I call the fire brigade, but they be turning around And Mr. Takagi, he gonna be under the ground And now I met this guy Tony, he wasn't real fun Ho ho ho, ho. and now I got, got a, got a machine, machine gun I kill Heinrich and Marco with some defenestration To get me some of boys from the police station Being hunted by Carl and elevator shafts Come out to the coast and we'll have a few laughs And now the cops have arrived and they are trying to break And gonna send in the car, but the SWAT team be quaking. James has got him pinned down. I'll shove C4 up his ass hundred people down here And they are covered in glass It's a
0: good
1: way to die Christmas time It's a hard
0: way to die
1: Christmas time
2: Now I'm being called on the radio It's Hans Booby Baby with somebody I know You gotta believe me that I tried to save Ellis Barely knew the guy, but I guess that he was jealous I head up to the roof and I meet Bill Clay His accent is weird, but I ask him to stay I offer him a smoke and to borrow my gun But he aims it at me and he was Hans all along <laughs> It's a
1: good way to die Christmas time, it's a hard way to die. Christmas time.
2: No, I get shot in the back and there's glass in my feet. And I have a little chat with my pal in the street. The FBI is here, Agent Johnson squared. But if I know Hans, he is already prepared. I go back up to the roof and there are bombs everywhere. Then I get beat up by Carl, I leave him hanging there. The FBI shoots (laughs) at me, I'm on your side, assholes. But I jump off the roof with a fire hose. Now Hans has my wife, he's an exceptional thief But he's moving up to kidnapping, oh what a relief And I am waiting outside and I got two shots left I put one in Eddie's head and I shoot Hans in the chest The look on his face could make me wanna laugh As he takes a step back and he breaks through the glass And as he falls to his death I guess he ran out of luck Uh, Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker
1: It's a good way to die Christmas time It's a hard way to die Christmas time.
2: Now we are all outside, I guess it's finally done. But Carl is alive and he's got a gun. I cover my wife and Al shoots him dead. And Holly punches Richard in his stupid fucking head. Then I am back in the limo and that's the end of the show. We're driving on home, Frankie, let it snow. Thanks for hearing my tale, Merry Christmas to you. And I just pray to my God that there is no die hard, too. Two, two,
0: two, two.
2: Hi guys, it's us. Your boys! The terms and conditions. Uh, we just wanted to wish you a very Merry Christmas. Um, we hope you enjoyed our song about Die Hard.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and we'll ho- hopefully see you guys next year. Merry Happy Karnak. Fr- Merry Christmas. Or Merry whatever Christmas.
1: season you, you celebrate. Happy Holidays. Wherever no you are religious in the world.
2: denominations required.
0: Some religious denominations. No, actually. Some? None. Okay.